Simpsons Index, an online spreadsheet that is also a podcast. This is the podcast. Coming to you out of SideQuest Studios, this is The Simpsons Index, episode 197. Hello out there, I'm your host, Elliot J. O'Neill, and joining me in SideQuest Studios here as always, except when he's not his BT, Callaway. Uh, hoi hoi. And joining us once again is Diana Green. Hey, this is, I'm here again, even if you don't want me here, I'm still here. <laughs> Can't get rid of me. Welcome back for a third time into the yeah, podcast. Yeah, third time's the charm, I, um... I hear this is the time where I have to sleep with one of you. What? <laughs> no. I don't remember putting that in the contract. Was that you? <laughs> we need to get a new blue hat lawyer. But anyway, uh, yeah, well, this is the podcast where we watch and review three episodes of The Simpsons at a time, but there is a twist. Each episode must come from a different decade. Now, what has been happening in your Simpsons world, Diana, since we last met up on the, on the show? So Simpsons trivia is a thing again here, which oh, is good. Nice. I regrettably didn't go to the last one. I was kind of feeling a bit down, so I just mm. stayed home. Mm. And my brother went all by himself. Our team was literally just him, and he still won. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> nice. He got two questions wrong, mm. and it came down to a tiebreaker, and there were four tiebreakers before they finally let him win. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to the wire. That's good. Yeah, but he texted me. As soon as it was all done and you're allowed to use your phone, mm-hmm. he texted me what questions he got wrong, and I knew them immediately. <laughs> so if we were there, we would have gotten the perfect score. And I don't know what's more insulting. If, if it's more insulting to get a perfect score or to win single-handedly, both are pretty big middle fingers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Do you know if our podcast competitors at No Money Down were in there again? I have no idea. I know they didn't come second. Yeah. Let's try and get them on. Mm, We're reaching not? out to Simpsons Podcast in our last year, trying to get a few of them on. Don't. I mean, don't let them on when I'm oh. there. They'll probably be a bit angry. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But no, they, they seem like good people. Oh, cool. But yeah, not a lot of those podcasts are brave enough to tackle the newer episodes. <laughs> and it doesn't get much newer than this. We just watched Season 32, Episode 12, Diary Queen. This was a fucking mm. impossible episode to research. Did you mean Diary Queen? No. Yeah, when I first saw, because you sent me the very legal uh, link to download Incredibly it. Incredibly legal. Uh, so right legal. When I woke up, and I was half asleep, and I thought it was Lisa the Dairy Queen, and I was like, oh my <laughs> god, <laughs> they're not doing this again. <laughs> they have like four episode titles, and they keep repurposing them. Yeah. yeah. Take my Dairy Queen, please. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they'd find a way to figure out how to get this into a pun of Mona Lisa, mm. I tell you what. Oh, but anyway. Mona uh, Lisa, the Dairy Queen, mm. beauty something pageant. And, I hear if yeah, you say this... that three times into a mirror, she comes and kills you. Cool, cool. I'm ready. <laughs> or at least covers you in milk. Anyway, uh, this episode was released in February of 2021. It was directed by Matthew Nastark, written by Jeff Westbrook. In this episode, Flanders has a garage sale and in, a bu- in amongst a Bloody bunch of books. Bloody dumb, it's the French man. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> not a car wholesale. Yeah, yeah, car wholesale. Sorry. <laughs> what happens? Yeah, Bart buys a bunch of books from him, and amongst it is mm-hmm. Edna Krabappel's old diary, and he thinks that she wrote a bunch of nice things about him. Turns out it was about her cat. Lisa eventually reveals this to him, and Flanders says she thought highly of him anyway. Uh, hey, what did we think? Um, What did we do to deserve this? Like, did someone desecrate a temple, or do we steal an idol, or did we offend a god or a planet or some celestial body? What have we done? Is, is this just the next plague that comes after COVID? 
Is it safe yet? Like, I wasn't sure what to expect from season 32, because I know logically every season gets worse than the last, but when I looked at your index ratings, I think there was a very slight increase in 31, mm-hmm. maybe? <laughs> like, the averages were less... Yeah, I think- the 30 fu- has an uptick, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, the funny thing is, yeah, 31 has a little bit of an uptick, and then 32 actually has a massive one, because we actually kind of liked the season opener, mm-hmm. uh, which was a dull silver, which means currently the season 32 average is a dull silver with one episode reviewed, but uh, this one may change it. <laughs> I don't think today it's going to stay on the dull silver, but... um. Mm. No, look, and I was keen to do this episode because its reputation precedes it, you yeah. know. It was revealed and sort of did a couple of the rounds in the news, entertainment news, that they were doing this episode which used archival recordings of Marsha Wallace to recreate a performance of Edna Krabappel mm-hmm. in it. And from all told, the TV reviews were saying this episode was pretty tasteful. And that much I agree with. Yeah, I think the way they brought Miss Krabappel back was tasteful. I think the clips they used were very good. It wasn't egregious. It wasn't overdone. It was enough. So mm. that aspect of it. Put that in a safe little bubble of free of criticism, I'm not going to attack. Yeah, which is the part I was most worried about. Mm. However, (laughs) the rest of this episode is a fucking boring garbage pile of... I was about to say burning garbage pile, but it's it's not even that exciting. It's flat garbage. Yeah. Uh, What did you think, Diana? It was pretty bad. I didn't know there was any reputation or anything about it. I... I don't really keep up with Simpsons news other than the fact they're doing two more seasons. So Yay. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't know any of this. I I was surprised when they took the turn they did. I honestly thought based on the first two minutes this was gonna be a musical episode. Yep. Yeah. You would be fair in that assumption. Yeah, they definitely didn't want to stick that landing, and I don't blame <laughs> them considering most of the voice actors probably are straining to do their voices <laughs> and wasn't just marge i've noticed bart is sounding pretty out of character yeah yeah and like um going for uh, a puberty <laughs> i reckon right I some of the s- kids as well like uh martin was sounding pretty off as well i think millhouse sounded a little worse for wear well martin's voice actor passed oh, away so they might have replaced They're just him doing a new one um, um, on the voice actors, though, this is the final time that Harry Shearer is doing Dr. Hibbert. Oh, right. From this episode onwards, he'll be played by Kevin Michael Richardson. I Dr. Also, Hibbert, not Harry Shearer. Sorry? I, I also <laughs> looked up this version of Julio was not voiced by um, oh, Azaria. Hank Azaria was voiced by whoever's doing the voice now. Yeah. So it's a weird limbo. I feel like <laughs> like this is a weird episode for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just starting out with that musical number, does anyone know what it's a reference to? I saw that it was a reference to something, and I forgot. It was the one yeah. thing I didn't write down in my... Mm. Yeah, I recognize it. I can't quite pick it, though. I don't know why they... Because we recently reviewed Ho Ho Land, mm-hmm. and I got the exact same vibes. They started out with this big musical number that would give you an indication that they're trying to set the pace for this episode, yeah. but it has nothing to do. Nothing to do. Well, I feel like they had to fill time, and they decided to do a six-second couch gag, so they had to think of something else. Mm. <laughs> 
So, BT, what about you? What stands out to you from this episode, for better or worse? Uh, mine was definitely going to be a mention of that whole fuck you first act, where mm. just why the song? Having, I mean, they've literally had the street garage sale before, back when the uh, new neighbours come in, so just do that again. You don't need a whole song and dance about it. Well, they had to do a whole song and dance because it's based on West Side Story. Ah, that's what it is. Well, thank, thank God you. for that. Which is getting remade soon with Steven Spielberg. Am I remembering a dream? I think this I is think happening. You do. I think you no, I think this is a real thing. You're remembering a DreamWorks. I stopped hearing you for half a second, and I thought you said mm-hmm. Steven Seagal, and I really want to watch <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so in the middle of everything, there's a bit where Rod and Todd like, do a little Flintstones leg kick moment, uh, and just the sound really clashed with the musical number, and I was just like, but why? Yeah, it, it was this terrible. kind of... Yeah, the classic, the classic Flintstones running sound effect. Yeah. It really clashed, and it really stood out to me. And also, so was, you know, Ned glaring at everyone buying his stuff but not respecting it, which held on to him for maybe an extra two seconds. And it's like, I got it, show. Ned's mad. I understand yeah. how, how expressions work. Yeah, uh, man, this whole fucking first act is... Uh, is bad. Uh, in again, it set a pace and a tone that the rest of the episode had nothing to do with. Yeah, look, it's a decent enough setup if the goal is to get Edna's diary to Bart. Yeah, but just open on the street sale and have some like candy dish style gags, ninety dollars, yeah. that kind of thing. Have jokes instead of a pointless musical number in your comedy series. Yeah, and especially when they're pointing so hard at it with having fucking Stampy there dancing on his hind legs and the Duff Blimp going big finish at the end which wasn't even the finish yet yeah. oh my god <laughs> it sure is a nice coincidence for the writers that this is the second time Flans has gotten a hold of something his dead wife has written after he's mm-hmm. getting rid of everything old yeah. he used to have oh yeah 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 and i mean thinking back to Praiseland, god it was a long road to get to that but it was fucking entertaining on the way mm-hmm. like and yeah diana you're mentioning the voice actors like they just sounded so flat and unconvincing, and especially if you're going to do a musical number, you've got to be boisterous and everything, mm-hmm. and oh, it was so flat. But anyway, we'll probably get to more of our annoyances with this opening, but Diana... Oh, we will. Um, <laughs> what else from this episode stands out to you for better or worse? I like that Marge was apparently interested in Rotten Todd's baby teeth, and I can put it in my playlist where she kept Millhouse's teeth from hockey. <laughs> There's definitely yeah. some weird backstory going on there that's going to be explained in season 35. Mm. <laughs> yep, Marge collecting children's teeth playlist. Yeah, find out she's just built the perfect child out of teeth. God damn, it sounds like a Demi Lardner sketch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have nothing that interesting to say about the episode, good or bad. It's definitely... No, and I guess where I'm going to go with this is just to sort of tick off this story point of... Lisa's brief anxiety and tension hives around holding this secret from Bart. Yeah. I think this just comes into another thing of Simpsons almost understanding mental health and then just not. (laughs) Well, I mean, that whole bit started up and she's all, you know, oh, no, I've got this. The truth is going to be bad for Bart, you know, his emotions, but also the lie is doing so much good for him. But what do I do? I believe in the truth. It's like, hey, remember when you did this and Lisa the Iconoclast and that was affecting an entire town, not one person. (laughs) And you ultimately decided that the lie was the greater good. Remember that? Remember that exact point? And this is one person instead of an entire town. Why are you having trouble with this? (laughs) Fair enough. And it was never really about Lisa's jealousy which surely is a part of this 
that he's getting so much attention now and it's your classic thing of well, I've always been good versus the bad person that's now yeah, reformed. Yeah, the, the prodigal son kind of thing. But it's like he's not actually being all that better. Like his attitude mm. is better, but he's still not studying and he's still, you know, you even see him do that test and he's like, okay, well, if this one's B and then the next answer is always C and then I'll just copy off of Martin. It's like, he's still but He's still being yeah. like, there's going to be a flaw to this or a ceiling rather. And just let him hit that, and which she almost does. It's like, I don't get why he's so different. It's just the outlook that's different. It's not anything to do with him. I don't know. Yeah. I did kind of like the fact that Bart did become kind of a jerk about it and thought he was better than he was, because I really thought the whole episode was just going to be Bart is getting better, and Lisa mm. is just jealous and hates it, and she has to ruin his fun because she's jealous and bitter about the lie. Mm. I'm glad there was, you know, if she wasn't in the story at all, it still would have ended with Bart, you know, self-sabotaging himself. You know, I'm kind of glad that Lisa didn't just ruin Bart's fun because she couldn't handle a small lie. Yeah, I suppose. Um, like, I don't like the story. I'm trying to give it as many nice things as I can. Well, no, that's the thing. Like, I think this story actually has some correct beats. Hey, like, core concept I really like. I'm going to fast forward real quick to what would I change. And just say, remove the whole bit where it's actually she's actually talking about a cat. Mm. Have her actually talking about Bart and his potential, and he starts trying, and then he fails anyway. He's like, but she believed him. He's like, yeah, well, she believed you had potential. That doesn't change the world overnight. It just means, you know, you can try. You need to try. Mm. She saw more in you. You have to prove that. It's not just you are then great. Plus, you know, 600 episodes previously, there were times that Krabappel thought Bart had some potential, or she liked yeah, Bart. I'm sure you could... There are so many episodes. Well, yeah, even in the speech that they pulled together at the end with Miss Krabappel saying, yeah, there's lots of troubled, misunderstood boys. And, you know, uh, if you can teach one kid one thing, then today would have been a success. Mm-hmm. So all this stuff is at the heart of Krabappel. It's just, it's kind of amazing that it didn't come together. Yeah, anyway, let's get through the questionnaire because I am looking very much forward to the change question. I've got so much more to say about that. Oh, yeah. But play count, I'm guessing this was a first time for all of us. Yeah. Yep, complete goose egg. Yeah. (laughs) I gave you enough of a lead in, Diana, that you could have watched it twice. I was thinking of it, but I didn't want to. I was honestly Mm. tempted just to watch like five times this morning just so I could say (laughs) I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have that much energy and there are things I need to do. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, fair enough. It's why I'm not watching most of the season. I could have done it while doing the laundry or something and tested the uh, laundry playlist question. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about that for as often as I've asked the laundry playlist question. I don't know the last time I've watched Simpsons and done laundry at the same time. It's more of a concept. (laughs) But watching Simpsons while being hungover, Mm. (laughs) lots so, was this a particularly wacky episode of The Simpsons? What were some cartoony things that stood out to us? Uh, okay, one bit I did like was, um, it's a part, it's tied to a part I didn't like, so bear with me as I struggle through this. So, you know, looking at Krabappel's diary, and Bart's kind of like, oh, I don't want to read this, it's a bit wrong, and starts pushing it mm. towards the lake, and Millhouse has a line of, uh, the ocean is big enough for any sin, and I do like the joke, it cuts to Fat Tony, is like, you'd think so, but no, and he's like trying to poke a body in. Everything else after this I didn't like because it's actually, oh, I'm not actually dead. And he runs away and we get Johnny Tightlips talks too much. Mm. And then they shoot at him and then they're like, oh, the kids saw. And then I kind of like the joke of, oh, we have to wait till they're 18 before we murder them. Oh, I hated that. It's like kind of, it's just I wasn't expecting it. But then the whole bit, it's like, why did we do this? Like, it's a one line. It's, you'd think so, but no. And mm. then then you go back to Bart and Milhouse. And then in the next scene, Bart is totally happy to read this diary and is no longer conflicted. Yeah conceptually wacky i will say that in the um diary it 
said that Kerboffel and Flanders had been together for a year, and if you think about the timeline, uh, that definitely fucks mm-hmm. with things. Yeah. <laughs> Time and the Simpsons are a difficult, difficult pairing. Actual kind of wacky. I'm not too sure. It was relatively down to earth if you ignore the big musical number, but. Yeah, it's not impossible wacky, more improbable, like uh, Willy with the whole rabbit thing. Fucking hell. Uh... This was one of the many times in the episode where I was like, end. I know what the finish of this is. Just fucking end. Mm hmm. Yep, but it kept going. It reminded me of How to Cook for 40 Humans, where you just kept adding another beat, except this time it wasn't funny. Yeah. It was, I'm going to cook you. No, I won't. Yes, I will. No, I won't. I think that's it. I think the way that 40 Humans builds is like... It's the difference between building and extending. Yeah. You know, the bigger it gets, the more absurd it gets in How to Cook 40 Humans. Whereas this was like, the second he's like, oh, I'm going to eat him for my stew, and then cuts to him making a stew, you're like... You didn't actually cook the rabbit. You're cooking the stew for the rabbit. Okay, thank yeah. you very much for that. Yeah, I've already got it. With How to Cook for 40 Humans, the extra joke every time is literally one word yeah. and not like a 30-second angry yell. <laughs> and wait, there's even more space dust on this cover. I think that's the funny thing. Like, yeah, because that's like building and it's like about the wordplay as well, mm. whereas this is adjacent to a mood swings joke. Yeah, you're just adding extra pages to yeah. it. It's not he's angry right. and mm. he's going to eat him no he's not Mm, that's funny let's do it four more times these writers are paid more than i ever will be in my entire (laughs) life (laughs) Uh, and also there's a bit where they carry bard on their shoulders and then they can he kind of directs them to go to the uh laser tag water park i'm like okay i like laser tag water park when we get that 90 show part two we're gonna see grandpa's laser tag water park hells yeah (laughs) oh yeah that's right he has a laser tag in that 90s How show you forget his most pivotal role in the series <laughs> i'm watching you it was right it's right that you know he was in world war ii and mm-hmm. that using a gun gave him the experience for laser tag <laughs> um. well yeah if you're not across uh, entertainment news you might have missed as well that there is going to be an upcoming simpsons episode which once again rewrites the time continuity the and puts homer as a teenager in the 90s you know, that, oh, that's wow. going too far. I He is always <laughs> a young adult in college in the 90s. Yep. That is mm-hmm. it. There has never been any other series continuity, and I <laughs> can't believe they're ruining it. Yeah, he invented grunge. What else do you want? Yeah. Uh, but it was so funny because, like, Matt Selman shared it on Twitter the other day and was all like, look, this is a product of a show being on for 30 years. The continuity's flimsy, whatever. It's a cartoon. Stop crying, nerds. And then was like replying to... It must have been almost 100 people that he replied to defending this fucking move. It's just 100 replies to me defending him for (laughs) brilliant design. Yeah, someone should have tweeted to him, quit crying, nerd. Yeah. No, I mean, for real, it's... I understand if you want to, like, make these moves in your cartoon, but then to... To give shit to people who care, and, and then, then care so much when people give you shit. Yeah, need really. to bring me back to that episode, because I really want to talk about how Homer is younger than Bart was when the series started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think, yeah, because we'll cover it on Except When He's Not. We'll mm. bring you in for the that Patreon one as well. exclusive. Yeah. We'll bring you in for the Patreon podcast. Anything related to that 90s show. Bring me on when you do that 80s show podcast, all about all six episodes of that show. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that was a Anything thing. related to that 90s show. Bring me on when yeah. you start talking about grunge music, and yeah. I'll relate to how it's just like Sadgasm. 
yeah. we'll bring uh, Diana and DJY on and let them just fight it out, and we'll take a nap. <laughs> well, back to this episode. Oh, do we have to? Uh, I don't want to, but we kind of obligated. No, we're not. We'll <laughs> um, talk about that episode from 13 years ago, where it's in the 90s. <laughs> it's a 13-year-old episode now, my God. The other wackiness as well, besides Milhouse's stupid fucking karate cutaway joke. Yeah, which, but, I mean, the joke of, oh, I took karate, but I was allergic to the ghee was weak enough, but then to cut to him, and he's, again, him being in a bubble while the other kid is trying to hit him is funny, but it should have been like, the kid's just hitting the bubble and nothing is happening to Millhouse, and then he tries to hit him and he just knocks the bubble over and rolls away. Instead, but, he's like, there's a bee in here. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Stop it. This was in the part of the episode where I just got so sick of Millhouse talking. Mm. Like, he was fucking cringing all the time. You shouldn't read the diary, Bart. I got karate bad. I don't know. Anyway, so how about Bart and Millhouse's joyride through Chalmers's car? Oh, I forgot that happened. Um, um, I didn't because in my notebook, I just wrote, please kill Chalmers. He's not funny. <laughs> yeah, I do hate because they had to do it where he's standing on the scales and he says, Slimmer! It's like, for fuck's sake, stop! says Skinner. Yeah. It's never been funny, ever, ever. <laughs> so stop it. The good old days when he had a personality and he was a straight man to everything and mm-hmm. he said more than Skinner. Just yeah. remake Steamed Hams, but it's just yeah. using Skinner every second. <laughs> uh, it's like if they did Steamed Hams now, it would be like, well, you said these were steamed hams, but these have clearly been done on the griller. Yeah. And it's like, that's still not funny. No, it's just fucking catchphrase humor. And I thought the Simpsons were just above that, you know? <laughs> Joke's on you, Elliot. They are not. No. I did like that they almost gave us a Wigan Lou corner, but instead it was just a Wigan Wigan <sighs> corner with Lou sitting next to him. And a Wigan dance hour. And just, I wrote down, what the fuck is this Wigan bit? He's all just like, oh, well, we should go for drives like that. And then turns off the siren and dances. Like, what the ever-loving fuck? Yeah, so this is just completely consequenceless, isn't it? Yeah, that's why I forgot they went for a ride in Chalmers' car. Like, I guess the idea was, okay, they're setting up that he can do mischief based on the secrets in Edna's diary. That's fine. He also records the teachers working their night jobs during their break. That's consequenceless as well. Oh, also, yeah, he goes, now I can finally see what happens in the teacher's lounge, but he just opens the door. He didn't need Edna's diary to open I thought he entered, like, a passcode, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, did he? Just like in Hitman 3, the game of the year, but everyone should buy. Mm. Yeah, you find the teacher's diary, that gives you the passcode to the teacher's lounge, you can put on a disguise, then get into the principal's office and beat him with a statue of Wagner. Yeah, the whole let's see what goes on in the teacher's lounge is an even less funny version of the joke from 20 years ago, where Lisa wanted to see in the teacher's lounge and there was Willie doing an impression of Milhouse. (laughs) Yeah. No, this is just sad because mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, the teachers are all working a second telemarketer job because yeah. they don't get paid enough as teachers because people undervalue teachers and don't pay them enough. So, yeah, I'm just mad and depressed now. Yeah, instead of them being at least, I don't know, drinking or taking a nap or just caucus, caucus, caucus. Yeah. You know, something. It's, okay, cool. I'm bored and depressed now. Thank you very much, Simpsons. The episode isn't just archival audio for Miss Grabopol, it's just archival jokes and archival <laughs> plot beats. This episode is a Frankenstein monster of mm. many, many other episodes, except this is the monster. <laughs> the writers are the bad people on this. They shouldn't have done it. <laughs> this is 22 minutes of mindless TV with mm. nothing... I really want to get angry, and I don't have the energy to. 
it really elicits that. Like I said, there's no fire in the garbage. It's just garbage, no. garbage. Mm-hmm. And on that, how about the heart? How was the emotional core of this episode? The bit I liked is when Bart first reads the passage about his potential. I thought that was very sweet, and I thought that was a good reason to bring back Marsha Wallace's voice for that. That was it, because the next part they try to do is when they have this clip with uh, the Flanders family talking about maybe leaving Springfield, and it's all like, oh, I can't leave because of boys like Bart Simpson, sweet, misunderstood children. It's like, if you pour a bunch of sugar on a shit sandwich, it's still a shit sandwich. <laughs> like, don't try and cram all your saccharine heart into this one scene and make me give a shit. Mm. When Miss Carbuffle originally said that line back in the, never, the seemingly never-ending story, it was before she knew Bart, and there was some kind of irony to it. Ah, mm. that's where it was from. Yeah, when she was also going to leave town to be with Mo. Mm. <laughs> Just, once again, it's archival. <laughs> everything everything in this episode has been done before. But yeah, it's, I didn't like any of that stuff, where we see the whole conversation of the, the Flanders wanting to move. Yep. But... When Ned does read that little bit of a diary, I'm not going to say it was a heart moment, but it was an attempted heart moment, mm. and it probably stuck the landing more than most of the episode. But it was such a badly written line. Ned has made my life a living dream come true. No one talks like that. No. That is purposefully say, written to be a misdirect. Yeah. You would just say a dream come true, not a living dream come true. That's stupid. Yeah, You wouldn't have Flanders thinks it's a living nightmare. It's funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> Just want to give up. <laughs> I don't think I've been this defeated by an episode. <laughs> well, uh, the next one should pick you up. Oh, boy, no. Um, no, boy. Oh, <laughs> at least we have the classic one. Can we just skip to the classic? No, nope. uh, le- couple more questions left. To, yeah. yeah, got to fulfill the questionnaire first. It's uh, mm. Our blue head lawyer uh, made it so. Yep. The last thing I do want to say about the heart is, and it's going to come up again in What Would I Change? This actually felt pretty devoid when it comes to Bart's relationship with Edna. Like, I really think that they spent too much focusing, one, on Bart, you know, doing this whole living up to new potential thing and also with Lisa's anxiety about knowing the truth. Mm -hmm. And I don't think enough time was spent on Bart really reflecting on... Mrs. Krabappel, their relationship and what yeah. she meant to him. It's just this weird change in him. If it had been more, no, I need to behave for her memory or for this person who did believe in me, that would be something because then he'd struggle with trying to be good versus his instincts to be a hellcat. Yeah. I do have one genuine question about the mm. current Simpsons continuity because I try to know everything about the show, but I physically can't. Um, no one can. There's too much. So the last time I watched any of it was when Groundskeeper Willie took over as teacher, but mm-hmm. they have a new teacher now, don't they? I was the person during that test. It's Ned Flanders. Oh, then who the hell was that person during that one section? It was so- like a art exam. It was the art teacher. I don't know if it was the canonical art teacher. No, it's weird. I'm so sure that's the same art teacher from what to expect when Bart's expecting, yeah. but it had a completely different... Fo- I could be wrong, but... Yeah. change him and no one will know if it did yeah. And so, yeah, thanks for bringing up because that's another mm. surprising element of this that they're not utilizing Ned Flanders as Bart's teacher here, mm-hmm. where so much of this could have, especially Bart's thing in the treehouse, could have taken place at school. Mm-hmm. Ah. <sighs> ah. Anyway, ultimately, did this feel like an episode of The Simpsons? It felt like flat garbage. It felt like many episodes of The Simpsons. Just bad. Mm. The plot beats are 
it's all been done. I don't even need to review this episode. Just use archival footage of old episodes yeah. of The Simpsons Index. <laughs> yeah, you've built up a couple now. We probably could. Just use but, it from other people. Just let Jordan take over. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, individual character integrity, I don't think there's anything exactly wrong with, especially Bart. But Yeah, uh, the core of it is fine. And in concept, I quite like it. It's just how they react to this doesn't seem to fit to me. Yeah. Like, Bart finally has motivation to be doing well. Oh, no, I'm burdened with this terrible secret. It's like, just don't. Yeah. Like, I don't believe that. And I don't believe the way Bart reacts to finding out Krabappel believed in him. He already knew that. Mm. But yes or no, would you watch this episode again? No. No. Dear God, no. Put that in my diary. No. All right. I'm looking forward to this. BT, what would you like to change? Okay, the second you find out, you know, Krabappel's saying all these nice things about Bart, but only refers to him as my spiky-haired friend, you're like, okay, it's not going to be Bart, is it? But to find out it's a cat is so stupid and annoying. Like, again, no one writes like this, Mm. and it's just, ah, I just really just hate every aspect of it, because have her actually say something nice about Bart, and then he's more concerned about upholding this memory for, you know, the sake of Edna, and then struggling with that duality. There's so many different places you can take this if you stop the stupid little cat bit. It bothers me, and I can't express my words without screaming too much. And Lisa as well. I dislike that whole thing. Yeah. How about you, Diana? I'd get rid of the musical opening. That's yeah. pretty oh, obvious. Good at it. Yeah. Yep. I will say, before that happened, before the first like 10 seconds of the episode, it was already on a good note because the couch gag didn't last two minutes. Mm. I thought, wow, they must have a lot of material for this episode. Mm. You were because uh, it was also the short opening as well. We didn't yeah. see the billboard thing, the oh, chalkboard, yeah, sure. everything. It was just straight from the logo to her house. I think. Where did that time go? Where did the time go? Just generally, <laughs> they had that much plot. I um, I don't know why you guys are complaining. There was so much in here. It was mm-hmm. packed full. I don't know what. Like, I can say it's bad, mm-hmm. and I can say you know, obviously, cut out the opening. I just feel like, as a general rule of thumb, instead of rewriting every single line, <laughs> I just think they need to throw out the entire thing mm. and keep the basis. That's yeah. all you can salvage. The idea of paying a... Like, it was a relatively respectful tribute uh, mm. to Mrs. Krabappel, and you know, as bad as the show was at the time, I do kind of like her and Ned's relationship, and I'm glad yeah. they paid more light to it. It's just, do it, but good. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think core concept of this, finding a diary, finding out some of her personal thoughts now that she's gone as a way to pay tribute to the character, great idea. The execution, ugh. And I also, you know, I'm sure you could have forced it in previously, but this does genuinely feel like one of those plots they couldn't have done earlier when she was alive, unless Hmm. it was something like Bart walked in on Miss Krabappel in the classroom saying, oh, my spiky-haired friend, which Hmm. wouldn't have been as good, and it wouldn't have had that emotional conflict of the diary. So I want to give them credit for doing a plot that they couldn't have done 10 years ago, but I won't because they ruined every opportunity. They sold yeah. the Well, I mean, this is like why I wanted to do this episode and so quickly because, yeah, I'd heard about it and I really wanted to see how they mm. handled it. And, yeah, like we said at the top, the stuff with using the archival recordings, which could have been very oh, yeah. gross. Yeah, really well is, done. Yeah, stellar effort on that part. And putting together a compelling story around, I just, I can't figure out for the life of me how it was this difficult for them. Mm. 
And I get why they just sort of quietly killed off Edna's character. So yeah, just on yeah. that as well, she was last had a speaking role in season 24's Pulpit Friction. Um, God, that is eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, she passed away in 2013. So yeah. And they acknowledged her death at the end of the episode, mm. The Man Who Grew Too Much. And just as a sort of little post-credits thing, you know, that was fine and we could have left it. But we do have this big hole in the show where Mrs. Yeah. Krabappel just goes away. And they really floundered for a few years trying to do school storylines mm. without being in Bart's classroom because they hadn't figured out the right way to do this yet. And I genuinely think giving Ned the job as the teacher was... You know, a decent enough move, hmm. and especially like the way they did it. It's not an episode I particularly liked, but I liked the concept that the Leftorium just wasn't bringing in enough money and he saw value in being a teacher as sort of a way to live on Edna's legacy. Yeah. And that he had nothing to do with Bart's story here, really, up until the end, like. Is pretty disappointing. And actually, coming back to integrity, Flanders was all over the place. Mm. Yeah, it's. I feel like this episode was just such a gimme, and I don't even have a clear answer if no, what well, they should change. It seems so blindingly obvious, especially to have a point where, as Bart's new teacher, he says to Bart, Edna would have been proud of you for doing x yeah it, you know and then and then have bart repay him when you know flanders is all like no it's her personal thoughts i won't read them bart's like i will mm. and he just reads it out to ned so ned gets that without actually having to break what he literally just said was a a vow he wouldn't you know violate so yeah fuck you episode yeah and that could have been an interesting thing where flanders is talking with margin homer about his improved performance and like i don't know if flanders is still working at the school why wasn't he doing that call center thing as well uh, they just, why yeah. wasn't he at the assembly either? Why wasn't, like, they showed Largo and Miss Hoover mm. getting angry at Bart's little speech, which went nowhere as well. But yeah. Why? I don't know why they cared. Yeah, I mean, for a character who has two connections to this plotline, both as uh, Edna's widower and who is currently Bart's teacher, how is he not in this episode more? Now that you mention it, it blows my mind. And I'm genuinely angry, which is better than coffee, so <laughs> I'm awake now. Yeah. Again, weird, weird, fucking weird. Mm. Um, musical moments. Uh, yeah, of course, that fucking thing at the start. And at the end, I genuinely liked this photo montage of mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Krabappel at the end, uh, set to Diary by the band Bread. I like Bread. Mm. They- I've never heard their music, but I like Bread in, in general. Yeah, they go great with the band Fish. I mean, for a program that has a sandwich index. I do like that um, Homer did listen to uh, Brad back in the day when he went to that music store mm-hmm. oh, in the 90s right. and didn't know about it, even though he's very familiar with 90s music since he literally invented <laughs> yep. Um Everything comes back to that 90s. Yeah, yeah. It is the quintessential episode. Uh, get out of my head. <laughs> But a more modern song that was included was Shamika by Fiona Apple. And this was on her 2020 album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Like, wow. surprisingly recent. And what bugged me about this is that they used the verse of the song and they cut out the chorus where it said, Shamika says I have potential. <laughs> well, obviously that's going to confuse an audience because they'll be like, Shamika, but I thought it was Edna. Where? Who was the artist who did that song? Fiona Apple. 
Fiona uh, Apple. I've been calling her Fiona Crandall. Nah. They probably got it just because Crab Apple. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I'm just thinking as well. Crabapple says I have potential. That fits as well. Uh, I should have gotten Fiona Apple in, or she would have just said, "Go fuck yourself." No, I would. I don't think them. anyone would turn down a paycheck from The Simpsons. Yeah, she let them use the song. I would uh, gladly go on the show and write a really bad episode about how Homer <laughs> invented pogs in the 90s or something. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing. This is fucking Jeff Westbrook. He is like a Futurama and Simpsons legend. I just... Uh, whatever. The legends have to fall eventually. Eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have to do bad episodes that we find out they were really racist or pedophiles. It's just how <laughs> everyone goes. So it's better uh, to do a bad episode, I guess. Just... Speaking of pedophiles, good segue. Um, <laughs> I promise this will be worth it because The Simpsons made a really bad taste yeah. of the yeah. joke, and they were just at a Catholic church for no reason. There's easily a church they could go to if they wanted yeah. to read it. No, I had that note as well. It's like, why are we in a different church? Oh, it's one of those like you notice a watch on someone's wrist. You know, a joke mm-hmm. is going to come up later related directly to it. Yeah, so so terrible. Do you oh. get it? There's bad stuff going on with Catholic priests sometimes. It's a bit of a scandal. We're very mm-hmm. topical at The Simpsons. This joke has never been done before. And it's just there's no joke here. It's just, it's bad. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's time for our final notes. Now it's time, and now it's time for everyone's final notes. Everyone's final notes. Have you got some final notes, Diana? Yeah. I mildly like the bit where Flanders took all the bad words out of a Christian books, and yeah. one of them was whole, which yep. I kind of liked. I did like uh, Nelson bought them and then called him an adultery ass. That wasn't bad. They ruined it with an extra beat, but I did like the presidential chair tester joke. Yeah, it reminds me of these sort of things where, like, even in Homer's best fantasies, like when they get the trampoline and he imagines, like, the Homer world or whatever, it's still pretty shit. Same here with Bart. I like the idea that he imagines the best he can do Mm. is being in the White House. Yeah. But But as a presidential chair tester. Yep. But you're right, Diana. They just overstepped it. Extra beat. I wrote down at the spelling bee, there was a sign that said spelling bee here. Yeah. I kind of liked that. Uh, when I saw that, I actually said spelling bee here. I don't get, oh, wait, now I do. Yeah, because <laughs> I got the wrong here. Yeah. Um, this isn't a direct note of the episode, but just to cause me physical pain. I looked up the episode on the wiki before we recorded, and, you know, it said Marsha Wallace did Miss Kropopola's archival, and then it said Joe Montagna as Fit Fat Tony, and yeah. I, I hate, oh, I just hate yeah. being reminded of Fit Fat Tony. It, I didn't think they still called him that, but I guess they need two separate wikis about him. Yeah. And I'll say one more thing. He said this episode was really recent because it came out February 21st. This episode got delayed a lot. It was meant to come out January 10th, and then it got moved because of the NFL playoffs. Then it was meant to play February 14th, and it got rescheduled because of Daytona 500. <laughs> so this episode was meant to be released about six weeks earlier than it did. Oh, that's amazing. Usually the preempted episodes are the Treehouse of Horror ones, and they like to remind us of that with their opening sketches, like, why are we doing this in November? Mm. I'm glad at least this episode didn't go, we were meant to air this episode in January. What? Well, we would even be more topical. <laughs> But yeah, you mentioned the Wikia before, and it was because, yeah, I was looking up, you know, when Mrs. Krabappel's last performances are. So between Pulpit Fiction yep. and this one, there's like 10 or 15 where she's a 
ghost or the grave is referenced or something like th- of uh. that. Like, I know Mrs. Krabappel's ghost seemed to pop up a lot, but, mm. like, I'm surprised it was so much. Yeah, that's tacky as hell. Like, to bring up Maud, that's different because that's a fictional character that's died. This was a real person. Yeah. No, definitely. Well, I hope you realise when you die, um, there's still going to be this podcast, but your ghost yeah. is a character. <laughs> I, I've been dead this entire time. Really explains the emotion in your voice. Mm. <laughs> Beep. Uh, how about you, BT? Any other notes? Oh, absolutely. So I just want to quickly throw to the couch gag where they're on Mars and Homer doesn't have a helmet and his head explodes. It's just weird because there's like blood and seeing blood outside of a mm. Halloween episode always strikes me as very weird. Also, the cloud title sequence, an eagle swoops towards the camera with a sign that says, is it safe yet? Which, okay, timely coronavirus reference there. And God, I'm not looking forward to the Simpsons tackling, you know, lockdown. That's uh, mm. not going to be fun. And it's going to happen as well. me wonders if that was a reference to Trump being out of office, maybe? I would like to believe that. I would like to, but I... I think you might be right because it was an eagle, I guess. Maybe. It's hard to tell. Next episode has the same thing with the eagles wearing a mask. Uh, That's how we know the difference. (laughs) Yeah, possibly. Possibly. I'd like to believe that. And my last note is a positive one of just that last montage. That had a bit of heart to it. I will take that. Yeah. I did like in that last montage, they did remake a couple scenes from the show previously, like Miss Krabappel at um, Gilded Truffle or whatever it is, waiting for Mm. her date when Bart catfished her. (laughs) weird to think Bart catfished in the yeah. 90s. Way before um, that was a thing, yeah. Yeah, no, they, they could redo the episode now and make it even worse. Yeah. <laughs> call it Bart fishing. And yeah, my final notes. What was with Lisa's constant fantasies about a pony Bart? Uh, he was like invading her thoughts, and so her thoughts of ponies became pony Barts, and, and then, at then one it point, it, money. Yeah. And um, modern Simpsons, Elliot. Yeah, and again, Lisa going, om, om, Oh my god. Fuck, you patted yourself on the back for that fucking pun, didn't you? I am literally choking on my own rage. Mm. Um, And my last note is when they're showing the Flanders family meeting and Todd's just Mm -hmm. short and you can see he's sitting in the same chair as everybody else. Even a small child wouldn't be that short. This joke is dumb. They just... Well, the fact that it also starts as a recording on Ned's phone and then becomes a scene, it's like one of the other guys... Like, yeah, that's it. It's the classic thing where it's mobile phone footage. First of all, why would Ned do this? <laughs> and also, yeah, there's lots of different angles and stuff. And, you yeah. don't yeah. shoot your mobile phone footage using about eight different cameras? I don't have eight different mobile phones. <laughs> you know, when I make a found footage movie, you're not going to be involved. Mm. <laughs> all right, it is time to rank this thing. On the Simpsons Index, we'll rank using our six-point scale, which starts down the bottom at failure. Maybe if the episode was just, eh, you give it a participant. But for the positive rankings, you got OK Bronze, Good Silver, Excellent Gold, but for the best, of the very best, the episodes which The Simpsons could not exist without, you give Cubic Zirconia. I'm going to go first, let me show you how it's done. Uh, look, i got to fail it. Like, it's doing something sweet and I think actually mm. kind of necessary, and I want to give it credit for not completely fucking that up. But, god damn, this was painful to watch. Yep. I was so bored and... Uh, BT, what do you reckon? Yeah, they put the core of a good idea and a bubble of, you know, sweetness towards it, a tribute to Edna's character, inside such a flat, boring episode that when it wasn't boring, it was annoying. Uh, it's a failure for me as well. Just, I really hated that bit where they cut to Edna and they're talking about how, you know, oh, I need to stay in Springfield for boys like Bart Simpson. It's like... Mm. 
just trying to cram all this saccharine garbage in to make me feel something, and it just irritated the hell out of me. So, yeah, failure. What do you reckon, Diana? I am so happy you gave me a shit episode, because I've been too nice every <laughs> other time I've been here. Uh, this will be my first failure, and it's about time. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, no, the other times I was here, I participated the episode where Homer was Atticus Finch. Yeah. Because I didn't hate it. It was there it was white noise yeah. um and you gave me a season 20 episode which oh, yeah. you know, is statistically less likely to piss me off as much as a 32 <laughs> episode all right well unanimous failure we are giving this episode the, the index finger! finger this will be the first episode from season 32 to get the index finger um, something tells me it won't be the last yeah <laughs> yeah and i do want to put an asterisk on this episode and say you know there is that little edna bubble which is protected from its this failure yeah and that's really what drives my failure ranking is that it just didn't live up to mm. that scene. And yeah, it did end up feeling like sugar on a shit sandwich. All right. Now, because we did a Disney era episode, mm-hmm. we're skipping out on the teens today and we're going to go watch season 25's The Kid Is All Right. BT, what's this episode? That's uh, where they look at Bart and they go, yeah, he's all right. Very bare bones. I mean, it's there. old in extreme slow motion, so that's how it's twenty-three minutes. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, but uh, you get to see like a full minute on each frame. Well, that sounds terrible. We'll go watch that, and we'll be back. And we are back, and we just watched our HD era episode of the day. God, it feels weird to say that in the middle of the show. Yep. We just watched season 25, episode 6, The Kid Is All Right. First released in November 2013, it was directed by Mark Kirkland, written by Tim Long. In this episode, there's a new girl in town, and Lisa becomes friends with her, but she's a Republican. What? What? And Lisa and her go for... Daylight? Without, without, I thought they caught fire. <laughs> without turning to dust. Yeah. Any, anyway, uh, uh, so yeah, Lisa and her are going for like, I don't know, fucking second grade president or some shit. And the Republican Party had trying to groom her in their words. Mm. I wrote down the word groom multiple times in my notepad. That is probably the most used word other than fuck. And no, <laughs> I have never written notes this angry in my life. And I've used up more pages than I ever have, but most of it is just me saying fuck no, so <laughs> most of it doesn't count. Uh, similar, I've written down several times, what the fuck is this even? Uh, oh, Tim Long, I should have known the second I got out of bed this morning you pull some bullshit like this. After my last episode here, I think I messaged you earlier and said, you keep giving me okay episodes, where, where is the bad? And you've over-delivered lately. Oh my goodness, haven't I? What? <laughs> Might be the worst episode I've ever seen of a show. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. It was so infuriatingly, like, it just, it pushed all the buttons all the time. Yeah. Like, there are episodes, like, the whole thing of the manatee, where, like, you have jerk-ass home. No one is a particular jerk-ass here. It's just the writing is so infuriating. That's Even if the characters themselves are okay from a in-universe perspective, it is just so bad. <laughs> I feel like yeah. the writers have a jerk-asses, and they don't realize it. <laughs> <laughs> no, season 25 in particular has been a, a bit of a stinker on the index, and yeah, this is just so par for the course, and it's a it's different worse than kind of... Yeah. I looked at season 25, I'm going for it right now, 
Uh, so that was the episode where Homer, like, Lisa was really racist towards Homer because she... Oh, Homerland. Yeah. That was an interesting one. Lisa go from, like, alt-right persons terrified of uh, uh, minorities to um, this. <laughs> well, uh, let's hook into this episode no. and... Let's talk about the couch gag, which was legitimately the best part of the episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm glad you said that. I genuinely loved this. Yeah, that was very nice. Silly symphony. Simps-phony. Simpsonies. Yeah. I liked it. And then I was bored looking at the wiki, and I found out there is an entire article just for Hoba, which is Homer's uh, tuba version. <laughs> so the fact that there's an article for him made me love it. He lived a rich, full life. His picture is a very low-res cutout version of him from the episode. And the episode ends implying that Homer and... Mm-hmm. What was his tuba name? Hoba. 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 Yep. Yeah. That at a certain point, Hoba replaces Marge. Yeah. Mm. I don't need her anymore. <laughs> I hear that tuba Homer gives excellent blowjobs. Get out. This episode this. blows. <laughs> okay, the oh. couch gag is amazing for what it is. It is a really nice piece of animation. And if you ended the episode there, it would be looking at good ratings. <laughs> Yeah, so this is what I th- I keep coming back to this, you know, the Simpsons couch gags, especially around this time, seem to be entirely separate from the episode with mm. the intention of getting YouTube views yep. for making a couch gag. And this is like a perfect contender in my eye. It's the Simpsons doing, you know, a throwback to these sort of merry melodies or like a Disney sort of a musical like Fantasia thing, I guess. Where, yeah, animation and orchestration were so intrinsically linked. And I love the casting of this. I think they really made the characters apply to instruments in a really clever and cute way. Yeah, BT, your thoughts? Oh, what, on this bit? Yeah, it's fine. Oh. <laughs> Music sounds good and uh, it's fine. And, and it tells a fine enough little story of Burns, you know, being the classical music overlord saying, mm-hmm. jazz, oh, that's too newfangled and hip yep. for my liking. And uh, the power of music wins, blah, blah, blah. They oh, ended well. racism. <laughs> they solved the entire world in that. Um, mm-hmm. I will say the one bit that doesn't work when Lisa goes, I declare all music, okay. And then we get like a half a bar each of like five yeah. different styles in a row. It feels like it ends four times. Yeah. And it just sounds so disjointed and, like, really against what the rest of this was setting up. And it mm-hmm. just makes me wish they went for, yeah. like, Surely another two have, bars longer. They should have played together in harmony, you know. <laughs> yeah. The double use of the term harmony there. Yeah, Everyone is sort of... separate but equal but not allowed to interact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I will say when this started, I was like, wow, another musical episode. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm. And then when the actual episode started, another musical episode, because Lisa sang for the first minute. Yeah. Oh, fuck. You've got right. a theme going on, and I already know the classic episode's not going to continue that, but it's not too late to change what episode you're doing. You can try to find yep. another one that starts. <laughs> but how else do we establish that Lisa is lonely and friendless unless she's singing one as the loneliest number? There's no other way to do this, especially not to have Skinner then say, oh, look, there's Lisa, she's sad, like they do 20 seconds later. Why? <laughs> because the audience won't get it, Elliot. They have so many moments in this episode of the characters explaining what the episode has already clearly done. Mm-hmm. Like, later on when Bart goes, here's my plan, and then Database goes, oh, this is the plan, and it's being effective on me. Uh, anyway, yeah, and I thought it was sort of curious how, yeah, it starts out with an instrumental song, and then it goes into Lisa doing, yeah, this acapella version of mm-hmm. Loneliest Number, and 
fuck, it takes forever. It's a slow song, yeah. But she does so much of it. Yeah, yeah. Because, Elliot, how else are they going to know? Oh, God. Look, this show has only been on for 24 years. I don't think people get the characters yet. Yeah. Lisa struggles with making friends, Elliot. This episode came out so long ago that in the floating timeline, Lisa was born the time this episode came out. (laughs) (laughs) The distant year of 2013. Oh, wow, we talked about that year before. Hmm. I don't want to give them ideas, but it almost seemed like this kind of thing would have been slightly more timely a few years later than 2013, with certain political moments. Yeah, imagine when she's doing like, oh, you a Lincoln Republican? Getting warmer. That whole routine, and it's like, yeah, stops at W. Bush, and it's like... (laughs) I can't imagine thinking a Reagan Republican's better than any other kind of thing. No, it's pretty awful. Mm-hmm. You know, Reagan was not the coolest person alive. The, that's, that's the safe version of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> BT, what, what stands out to you for better or worse? Uh, I'm going to point to my favorite part of this entire episode, which was actually Chalmers. So he's got a bit where he comes up and says, Hello, and welcome to the first in a series of 37 debates. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, later on just has some good kind of jabs at Skinner. It's like, well, Skinner, you can fog a mirror, but I'd hardly say you were alive. And he's just deadpan and Chalmers. And I'm like, nice, nice. He didn't go, well, we'll, we'll count all the votes, then figure out the winner. Because oh my God, that would have been fucking terrible. Season 25 comes out on DVD in, you know, 20 years. That will yeah. be on the deleted scenes, I'm sure of it. <laughs> yep. They just have, yeah, I think it's Hank Azaria who does his voice, just running through every word that rhymes with Skinner. Yep. That he rhyming read- dictionary has been yeah, he- the good use. Yeah. <laughs> I will say the jokes of his that I did hate, and a few people did this in this episode, which is the over-pronunciation of Isabel's name and mm-hmm. fucking up Lisa's name. It was just yeah, that was dumb. such a hacky joke. Yeah. But how about Especially you- for a name he's said multiple times in the past. Simpa, son. It's just like- yeah. Uh, bad. Uh, how about you, Diana? What stands out to you from this episode for worse or worse, worse, or worse? There is one good note. I'll save it towards the end so we end with a nice thing. Yeah, and I'll thing. just say, um, did Bart fuck a toy pig? <laughs> That's the implication. He really liked it and he brought it back well, later in the episode as well. Is at least dating it in some capacity. Mm. Yeah, hopefully they're just going steady. Yeah, but yeah no, he, he fucked the pig, and the Simpsons <laughs> predicted what happened in the UK with their Prime Minister. Um, <laughs> Black Mirror isn't a documentary. <laughs> isn't it, Elliot? Oh, wait, no, that it's did happen? It's based an allegation, I believe. Or did it? I can't even remember. Uh, no, it was like a university, maybe like a prank or an initiation thing into a club. That's right, David Cameron, I want to say. Yeah, I want to say so. I'm not look, legally. I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Allegedly, yeah. too lazy. I'm. I'm not going to look it up. Um, just, just to our listeners out there, if a club's requirement for you to enter is to fuck a pig, don't join that club. That's the old Groucho Marx yeah. quote. Yeah, any club that would have me as a member should not make me fuck a pig to join. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so yeah, what stood out to me from this episode, for better or worse? You know, we quite like when they returned to the Republican headquarters, and we saw the origin of that recently when we reviewed Sideshow Bob Roberts. They had way too much involvement in this episode. Yeah, and poor choice of words. Mm. I feel like grooming was still a different term in 2013. Maybe I'm wrong, but... uh... Especially when talking about a young child. like if you're talking about politics, okay, kind of it's a different thing, but when you're talking about, yeah, elementary school children, uncomfortable. 
Yeah. At least throw Lindsay Nagel in there so it's not like Mr. Burns leering over this girl saying, we're going to groom you. With ice cream. What makes it even worse is if you, on the simpsons.fandom.com, for this episode, the actual, like, picture they use is all the man the Republican Party leering over her eating ice cream. So I'm literally looking at that image in the background while you're talking about grooming. I hope everyone can hear me pulling my collar when I say, Yeah, this whole ice cream scene was really uncomfortable, and then it doesn't really carry through into the rest of the episode where they just kind of do it anyway, and she doesn't have this hardline stance or really much of a conflict about it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Isabel Gutierrez as well is being played by Eva Longoria, who's uh, from Desperate Housewives, right? I believe so, yes. I think she was, yeah, also on Young and the Restless. But yeah, yeah, fantastic I did my actor. two seconds of research, too. Those are <laughs> the only two things that came up. Uh, Simpsons.fandom.wikia.com or whatever that fucking website that is. That is it. Um, there are two Simpsons wikis, but this one comes up first. Yeah. I like the fandom one more than the wikia, I think. Mm-hmm. I only like this one because it has an entire article devoted to the musical couch gag. Mm-hmm. And there's a small article about Hober. So. <laughs> That's fair. And an even smaller article about this actual episode, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of plot here. <laughs> it only has synopsis and plot, no fun trivia or anything interesting. Oh, yeah, what a bore this was. Mm-hmm. Like, I really did struggle then to come up with the better or worse because it just kind of washed over me. Oh, yeah. One, this is static. So... It's angry static, though. That's, I feel that's the difference. It's legitimately angered me. I was watching this with my fiance, and they had to leave the room partway through. It was like, we were getting that angry. This is. This whole thing hits a bit too close to home with politics being such in the forefront right now. Mm. And people, you know, people sometimes have political stances that don't align with helping underprivileged people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is sort of in the group of episodes that I was waiting for, you mm. know, Trump to get booted out. I mean, we've still got so many problems in Australia. I mean, fucking scumdog dickhead is still our prime minister. I thought it was scumdog millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he made his money in advertising the fucking head of the Where the Bloody Hell Are You campaign. Fucking clap, clap, make that guy prime minister. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry if this is too niche to our international That's listeners. okay. Um, he shit himself at McDonald's. Um, <laughs> he sure did. Well, allegedly. And even if he did, and I love that it stuck this well. Yeah. It's no pig fucking, but it's still embarrassing. <laughs> So, yeah, like, this episode, yeah, it's funny reviewing these pre-Trump Republican episodes and Mm -hmm. just sort of seeing, like, what's changed, what's different. And it's weird that Isabel does sort of seem to fluctuate between this, like, hyperbolic Republican versus... hardcore exaggeration versus being a genuinely sweet person at the same time. And if you wanted to make her personality, you know, she's very sweet and nice in that, but her opinions are very hardline, that would be something. But, yeah, it feels more like it swings from one to the other. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, you know, the actor, Eva Longoria, she did a fine job. It's Mm. just, one, she wasn't given a lot of material to work with, and... Yeah, so from that, the performance was a bit unimpactful. Yeah, we hear more people mispronounce Lisa's name than we do hear her opinions on things. Mm. I will say, Chalmers mispronouncing Lisa's name is still preferable to him saying Skinner angrily. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll take that. This is the best HD Chalmers content I have seen, you know, except for that Roosevelt episode. Um, Apparently, he gets another focused one in season 32. Yeah, um, you know, I'm okay with that for the most part, depending on how many inner yeah. jokes they have. So was this a particularly wacky episode of The Simpsons? 
any episode in which a literal vampire is there has yep, to be yeah. considered wacky. <laughs> Vampires are people too, or at least they were. Sorry, I'm looking through my notes and just I'm trying yeah. to get past all the swears. <laughs> I... Oh, I found one. Nelson has what might be a rub-on tattoo of himself on a crucifix, which then has a smaller version of on his chest of himself on a crucifix, on a crucifix, on a crucifix. With Lisa written in a yeah, banner thingy. Which, Really weird. Mm. I and Pigpen shows up out of nowhere. Oh, from uh, peanuts. Yeah, fuck, that was bad. Nicely done, Tim. <laughs> like, the fuck is like? Yeah, I've written so many times in my notes. What the fuck is this even? Yeah, because like, get it? We say grooming. What, what? How do we make a joke around the term grooming? I've got it. Let's have that kid from Peanuts show up who hates grooming. That's hilarious. In the year twenty thirteen, mm. it, it was better than the twenty twenty one at least. Um... <laughs> Um, I mean, I'll take it above a Catholic priest joke, but still. Dude. Yeah, no, this is, of the two grooming-related episodes we've seen today, mm-hmm. this is... Yeah. Yep. There's uh, an unfortunate theme running through the Let's as hard away from that as we can Please. to the Super Bowl shuffle. <laughs> but yeah, uh, for some reason, Homer just stops and puts in a VHS, and we get him to watch him do the Super Bowl shuffle, which is Just the after thing. Marge listens to the Thompson twins, and I'm like, oh boy, another tape. Yeah, and then uh, kills Bart. Because yep. Bart falls unconscious in Homer's strangling, so Bart is dead, and Homer has murdered him. I tried to steer us away from Terrible, and I crashed into more Terrible. Smithers uh, seemed to have died, considering how much ice cream he had to eat as a lactose-intolerant person. Well, he may have just had the runs for, you know, a month. We well, don't know he how. probably shat out his intestines, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then died horribly. So, um, And then got stung by bees on his way to the hospital. <laughs> but I guess what I really dislike about this Super Bowl shuffle bit and Marge tape bit is I kind of like the heart moment of Marge being like, oh, look, I, I was a Republican back in the day. Here's me putting a banner above my bed for some reason. American politics is fucking weird. Why do you <laughs> care so much? Uh, um, and Can you imagine just fucking... Can you imagine liking any candidate so much you have merchandise of them and you go to rallies? That is just such a foreign concept from uh, us in Australia. Anyway, but I kind of like that moment of uh, her just saying, oh, look, people's political views change over time. She's young, you're young. You know, the world is, you need to really explore it to understand what you want. It's like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That was like a nuanced, even-handed take on politics in this episode. Well, even Marge as well, who's like, they never hit on it that hard, but you can sort of tell and take away that she's historically conservative Mm. and mostly because... That's what you grew up in with. A, in a very worked. tradition sense. Like, yeah. she'll stand on tradition and new things don't necessarily bother her, but they're not for her, I guess. Yeah, and we saw in the sideshow Bob Roberts, like, she didn't like that, you know, controversial right-wing guy. So, like, you could probably put together enough evidence to suggest that Marge is right-wing or mm-hmm. does vote that way. In uh, high school, she did do a bra burning. That's oh, true. that's true. In yeah. the 70s, and then in the 80s she voted for Reagan, and then in the 90s she went to college while Homer invented grunge. Yeah. <laughs> um, Has a rich tapestry of a life. We really need to explore more. Yeah. So, as far as character integrity as well, like, I know we're not there yet, but... Mm-hmm. That did work, but yeah, they just undermine it with this stupid well, it fucking tape bits. Could have been a genuinely sweet moment, but they're like, oh, audience might get bored. Got to throw in the Super Bowl shuffle. Oh, we had plenty of opportunities to get bored in this one. Oh my, did we ever. And coming back to the Bart pig fucking as well, like... <laughs> the fact that That's the Simpsons movie too. Uh, <laughs> return of Spider Pig. <laughs> Um. Anyway, no. <laughs> Spider Pig Web is made of Bart's cum. They have um, to. Up, they have no. to up the joke from last time. All right, I'm leaving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. We found it. Yeah. 
but yeah anyway the thing that bugs uh, like maggie does this bar thing where mm-hmm. Le- lisa and bart go to it and it's one of these things where the simpsons writers are just desperate to have the kids be drunk and it's yeah. like that's the joke like i don't know why they're then pretending to be drunk like set it up like a bar scene but have her pouring fake cups of tea same joke but it's not got this awkward both of them hit on stuffed animals moment mm. would like, you fuck a pig if you were acting sober <laughs> i don't act sober <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, there's probably more wackiness to go over. But how is the heart? How is the emotional core of this episode? My heart is now an empty void. And the longer I think about this episode, the more empty and soulless it becomes. I'll reply when you ask a serious question. <laughs> there is no... What heart are we supposed to pull from this? Yeah. Uh, Lisa's proud of her friend for succeeding that we never see again and she didn't really have a relationship with. Mm. Well, that's the thing about Springfield Elementary. They always add new girls to mm. second grade. And then they all disappear mysteriously in accidents. Um, yeah. It's always them, a new girl. Yeah, that's have, right. Have them build some kind of you know relationship before they have this problem, because otherwise there's just nothing there. There's kind of like a Simpsons subversion moment of uh, Lisa finding out they loved her ideas but hated her. It's like okay, yeah, fair. That's that's something. Yeah, that's true. Like it's just it's kind of weird how not present Isabel is in this whole thing because mm. she just doesn't have a moment where this is ever a conflict for her. Like, yeah, true. And again, if we gotten to see them actually work on this report, it's another problem I kind of have is they weren't wanted to work on this report together but didn't actually talk to each other until they were doing the presentation and that's where Lisa finds out. She's it's like, yeah, how was this supposed to work? Yeah. And then that would have been a good chance to get to see them get to know each other a little bit and have a rapport that we could then jeopardize by or this Or it conflict. wasn't even a thing where Isabel was trying to be underhanded and, like, she mm. knew the report going in and was like, oh, I'm going to say all these things to undercut all her points. And, yeah. like, then have Isabel be, like, a shitty character and the villain of the episode or something yeah, like that? Yeah, at least it would have given her more character. Yeah. You know? Um, and then she could have been like, oh, look, I, I want to win so much, I'm happy to, you know, be a kind of a dick about it. Again, at least it's a character arc. Yeah, because it's just so flat and unemotional, and, like, it's really displayed in this episode where that bit where Marge is like, come downstairs to dinner, someone you love uh, is putting butter on your vegetables. Thank you, Mr. Bergstrom. Yeah, who dropped in just to butter Lisa's vegetables. I didn't mind that. Jeez. Really? Yeah, no, I... Like, I didn't laugh, but it, <laughs> it filled me with less despair than the rest of the episode. I, It is probably the second nicest thing I say about this episode after the opening, Couch Gag. Oh, unfortunately, like, and this is one of the rare times where I liked the opening Couch Gag, and I'm saying, you needed to cut it. <laughs> the episode deserved more. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, um, I think you should cut the episode, just make the Couch Gag one. <laughs> well, yeah, that about sums up the emotional core of the episode so bt what would you like to change oh my um let's have them lisa and this new girl have an actual friendship before we jeopardize it and get a sense of that you know at least have a bit where they go to each other's house and they're like here's a ball perhaps you'd like to bounce it Mm. man that is my didn't see any of her family at all well that i mean that is exactly what i was going to change about it yeah just pretend i didn't say that and then you say it in a few minutes I mean, that's my main point, is if you're going to jeopardize a friendship, give us a friendship to care about first. And just the beats of this are also... I'd change a lot, to be perfectly honest. Okay, what I'd change is sit me down in a cafe with Tim Long and I can start going through everything he's ever done wrong. <laughs> Actually, better make that. Let's, let's more time 
than a cafe, like a 17-course meal. A degustation. Mm. You could have a degustation and just um, talk about your disgustation. Oh. Mm. I'll take it for the wordplay. Uh-huh. Diana, what would you like to change? <sighs> Don't get me started, please. Um, I would <laughs> cut out the last 20 minutes of a 22-minute episode. <laughs> Uh, just leave the opening, maybe mm-hmm. put more plot in the musical couch gag, and that's all we have. Just stretch mm. that out the 20 minutes. Yeah, that's fair. Have the episode just have like a 20-minute saxophone solo, and that's the entire episode. And it'll still be preferable. Ooh, I do like Coltrane, so yeah, I'd be totally in for mm-hmm. that. Coltrane? You mean Lisa's cat that she got after Snowball 2 died? Yeah. Uh, yes. And Snowball 3, mm-hmm. who was also a spiky-haired boy that is also a cat. Um, oh, that's who Mrs. Krabop was talking about. Yeah, okay. she became friends with Lisa's cat she had for, like, ten minutes. <laughs> well, Lisa's cat was known to, yeah, go around and work a bunch of houses, so mm. the plot thickens. Yes. Yeah, I would cut out, like, I'd seriously, if you put a gun to my head and said, make this episode, uh, give the girl's family some time, develop their relationship. Also, like, I like Lisa episodes, and I always defend Lisa episodes, but I can't defend this. She is insufferable as well. I can just, like, feel me pulling on, like, an imaginary collar when she, like, says to Isabella, oh, people of your heritage are normally... Mm. (laughs) There's a lot to cut out. Just do literally anything else. Make it the really bad, like, season 20 episode where she befriends that girl and they hang out in the... Fantasy world? Yeah, they hang out in the fantasy world. That Mm. is even better than this episode. On Lisa Makes a Friend for One Episode playlist, this, I think, Mm. is at the bottom. (laughs) Um... Lisa makes a friend for one episode. God, there's been so many. Yeah, so what I'd change about this, like, of course, yeah, echoing the points that we need to care about this friendship, I do think you need to cut out the Republican headquarters. I think what they are trying to do here, showing, you know, the whole, you know, Republican massive millions of dollars backing Mm -hmm. uh, candidates to suit their agenda sort of thing. It didn't go anywhere and it didn't matter. Yeah, they're not, like... I guess the episode is trying to set up that she will be a Republican leader later on, so they need to support her now. But I don't know. If you're going to do it, maybe make some policies that they're trying to enact in an elementary school, and that can be a point of comedy. Yeah. And if we actually made it about the politics, though, it would be just like the episode that's a parody of Anvita or whatever it is, where Lisa became president and accidentally got rid of the music and art and stuff. Yeah. President Walpole's, I believe. You yeah. can't put politics into the school president episode. There'll be a rip-off of that episode instead of a rip-off of all the episodes where Lisa made a friend. <laughs> all right. Well, guest stars, yeah, Eva Longoria mentioned before, and also Anderson Cooper was playing himself at that oh, yeah. little sketch at the end from the year 2056. Okay. I have no notes about this section. That was certainly I the... I do. Uh, oh, what you got? I was just saying it's depressing that this eight-year-old episode was talking about how the uh, Afghanistan... Yeah. Stuff was still going on mm. in 2050 or whatever. Yeah, this is just more depressing every year that um, yeah. they can't get out of the Middle East. Uh, sorry if I got rid of all your listeners. But also the idea of let's just turn it into a state is kind of not the best. Mm. Yeah, I don't think Simpsons writers know what jokes are anymore. Yeah, no, it was just <laughs> it was weird. This episode's eight years old and seems like it came out like two years ago. <laughs> Yeah. And that's um, a weird thing. I would expect this to be a Trump era episode just because, you know, he was more of a target for media. Um, mm. And there was a lot more stuff about it. Simpsons definitely went hard on Trump during that time for worse. Uh, mm. so they couldn't make jokes out of it. 
but it's just this is like mid Obama era and it just feels so weird to do this. Oh, the most recent Republican president we had was George W. Bush. Yeah. It's just weird. This episode, I hate it. I <laughs> despise this episode. I guess that is kind of one thing I'd change, and it's a bit of an impossible thing, is that, yeah, I would have told them to wait a few years, because, <laughs> yeah, 2013, you're right, this is in the middle of Obama. Yeah. We can't do it now, because one of the Simpsons doesn't make it to season 27. We uh, <laughs> need to do this now. I don't think anyone in 2013 could predict just how hard the uh, swing was with the, uh, the right wing. Well... It does sort of pick up on the fact that this is, like, bubbling underneath the surface, you know, mm. like Fox News pundits and all this sort of shit were really bubbling, and I think that's what they're trying to do with Isabel a bit. Yeah, there's something to be said um, about the error in the sense that if it's coming off as a bit harder on Lisa and her politics, that is effectively being punched up because Democrats are in power at this point. Yeah. Something to be said, I guess. All right, we're here. Diana, do you have any other notes about this episode? Um, yeah, I'll go backwards in my notes just because it gets progressively less angry this way. And I want to seem nice. Pew, pew, pew. I write down, mm-hmm. do you get it? Mr. Burns is weaker than balloons. Ha ha. Because he was, had to go to the ambulance when all the balloons landed on him. Remember? I liked that. <laughs> I like the I like the joke. I didn't like the button. Oh, really? Uh, I having liked both. him in the ambulance. I just liked him getting knocked down by balloons. We got the full spectrum of feelings. Yeah. That's good. Mm. You know, we need to care about all our friends regardless of opinion. And it's not about politics. It's about the balloon joke. <laughs> this is true centrist. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down fuck bombardment guy. I still hate him. When Bart was doing the um, spitball thing, I'm pretty sure he kept saying bombardment as well. And I was worried they were going to go full bombardment, and they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like they just get paid every time they use that word, and they have to put it in more. Uh, just to defend that, I do like it. he was crazy. He was like, bombardment? Hated it. Really? No, <laughs> that was the best part of the episode. <laughs> okay, the only thing in the episode I find slightly funny, and this isn't funny in a vacuum, but in a 22 minutes of me wanting to pull out my eyes, this was nice. <laughs> I liked that the Play-Doh was called Play Annoyed Grunt. That's what it said on the uh... sign. That was kind of funny. I I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I, I thought that was a good joke. Maybe like they put it a bit too front and center on the second time. Like, but yeah, getting into the technicality. Yeah, I didn't see it the second time because I was writing I didn't my see it notes the first time. <laughs> so I, to me, it was this very quick one and done joke. And yeah. now I know there was an extra beat. Mm-hmm. So I take back my compliments. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I, I do agree. It was a highlight for me as well. Yeah, the people who write the background jokes are way funnier than the people that write the actual jokes. Mm. <laughs> All right, BT, how about you? Do you have final notes? Yep, Skinner has a line of lonely students only get single pneumonia. I thought that was okay. For some reason, a copy of Little Women scares Bart. I, I, I guess it's meant that to be... That was my first time I wrote, what the fuck is this even? Yeah, I was just meant to be... Is it just meant to be a book that's scaring him? Then why write Little... Just make it a generic book. Ah, weird. I think it's just because, do you get it? Men hate this book. That's the I joke. Just, I don't know. Is that, Even though Mo read it and cried. Yeah. <laughs> they have a weird relationship with little women. Have you seen um, any of the movie adaptations of it? No, I've heard the most recent one is very good, but um, it was good. It was. I was disappointed it wasn't more like the Simpsons episode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just all narrated by Mo. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a bit where she meets Isabel, and in the background, Bart just appears on a screen and then moons it, and you're like, "Yeah, you were again worried that we were bored and threw in a stupid background joke that's pointless, and I hate it." Um, Maggie makes a baby with the one eyebrow effigy and then crushes it, and I'm confused. Out of the play annoyed grunt. 
Yep, there's uh, a bit I didn't like and then kind of liked and then hated, which was Millhouse with an M&M in his ear. And Homer's like, don't eat it. It's been in his ear. Ah. Then when the dog gets it, I like the idea. It should have just been, don't eat it. Instead of just going, don't eat it. It's been in the ear. And also when the dog was like, hey, now you've gone too far. And then I went again. And then Marge puts it back in Millhouse's ear for some reason, which is weird. Only part of it I liked. Um, oh, really? We got another <laughs> all types of opinions yeah. on this one because I fucking hated all of it. <laughs> I could have enjoyed it if it like when it went to the dog's mouth, it just went back to home and he's like, "Don't eat it, not don't explain it, don't go any further." That's fine, that's enough for me. But uh, yeah, full spectrum. Man. That's interesting. I do quite like that. Um, Isabel has the line of, uh, "Oh no, conservatives only get more conservative every year. They get a little bit further through Atlas Shrugged." I found that good. Uh, Shout out to all our Ayn Rand fans out there. Yep, stop it. Um, Rush had a couple good songs that were related to that until they realized how bad um, the politics were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rush, for all my fandom, I will point out that especially Neil Peart had some, how do I put it, pretty fucked views towards socialism. And it kind of sucks because I always read their lyrics as like mm-hmm. the value of independence, you know, yeah. not the value of fuck social services. <laughs> That's, well, I mean, that was the title of their third album, wasn't it? <laughs> also, just before you get angry messages, uh, you mispronounced uh, his last name. It's Piert. Neil Peart. Peart. Yes. Uh, yeah. I made that mistake as well back in my young days. I yeah. say that. I only got in the rush a few years ago. I was forced to listen to them against my will, and they grew on me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry about that, by the way. I do it to everybody. It's nothing personal. That's true. Uh, I like the joke, but I feel like they overdid it a little bit where, um, oh, Bart, I'll pick you up after school to take you to karate. He's like, Mom, I figured out Sensei Weinstein is actually my psychiatrist. Mm. It needed a bit of a better wording. It was a little bit clunky, but I like the concept. There's a good bit where it's, um, President Clinton, what are you doing here? I don't even know why I'm here at all. All these guys are alive. So I do like they're all around. And then later on the button of, we found out that tainted Greek salad is giving students visions of Dukakis. I liked the button. Yeah. I was so bored throughout oh, yeah. all the dream stuff. It was a boring bit, but I do like the idea that, yeah, there's this common element mm. for people getting dreams from this. Uh, and that is all Me my Me dreaming about President's playlist, just yeah, like, sure. I'm back, Mr. Oh, yeah. Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Even your dreams are square. Mm-hmm. Um, during the debate, when Lisa makes her impassioned point in the shadow of the noose, uh, oh, put God. this in the playlist with the Simpsons movie about unnecessary putting kids in noose jokes. Mm. Jesus. Um, and yeah, that's all my notes. It's time to rank this thing. BT. Man, I've even seen this one before. I'm already struggling to remember it again. It is just participanty a lower participant than participant it's not got a nice little badge you can show its mum. it's just uh, again i'm gonna forget this one so hard and it's just kind of boring oh that's surprising diana oh i'm failing this this is i wish it was a rating lower this is the worst episode i have seen out of all like 600 whatever episodes i've actually seen this is worse than all the other season 25 episodes and they're not good though it doesn't make your top 553 episodes of The <laughs> Simpsons. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going failure as well. This episode made me so sad. And like, I could almost give it a participant just for the couch gag. But the thing is, that's not the episode. Mm, yeah, and exactly. They produced this thing to exist outside the episode. Like, it's fun to watch these things and consider it in our discussions, but. It has nothing to do with anything. And that's kind of like the archival thing with Edna again. It's mm. like, okay, you're going to have this thing and insert it in, then make the actual episode fucking around it great. Uh, it comes back to the Rick and Morty couch gag as well, is that the intentions for doing this 
a shit, especially when you think about the episode. Really? You're going participant? Yeah. What even happened in this episode? I am yeah. going to put down my phone number later, and you can call at three in the morning to say you were wrong <laughs> and it deserved a failure. <laughs> uh, things that have never happened, me saying I was wrong. <laughs> no, sorry. You you were right just in the future. I think that's the... Yeah. Yeah, what I don't change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this will be a shiny failure, and it'll be the second episode from season 25 to be called a shiny failure. This will be joining PayPal, where I think it's Marge bribes a girl to be friends with Lisa. Uh, vaguely. She made another that. friend. Wow. Yeah, they... For one episode. Yep. All right. Let's jump back. What is it? Ooh, 19 years to the classic era. We have earned it by years. now. Does that mean um, Homer <laughs> is making grunge music right now as he is? <laughs> Yes, in the year 1994 when this episode takes place. He is living a double life. Yeah, where we're going to watch an episode called Fear of Flying. BT, what is this episode about? Yeah, I got nothing funny. You know what this one's about, people at home. (laughs) Yeah, we know it. We know it. Let's go watch it. Yay! And we are back and we just watched our classic and final episode of the evening. This was Season 6, Episode 11, Fear of Flying. First released in December of 1994, it was directed by Mark Kirkland, written by David Sachs. In this episode, you should know this one, this is where Marge has the fear of flying. Mm-hmm. What do we think? Oh man, it's good. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Yeah, okay, well this has been The Simpsons Index. <laughs> um... We are rating it a good. <laughs> I like uh, this new rating system. It gets straight to the point. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, this is a good, a rare, possibly only example of a very Homer-centric episode that becomes a Marge-centric episode. Yeah. Usually it goes the other way. It always goes the other yeah. way. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't know if there's any other... Maybe Pretzel Wagon? I can't remember how that one starts, though. No, um, it starts with Marge. It started Marge. off very yeah. Marge. Was... Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. This might be the only one. Yeah, usually all roads lead to Rome and all Simpsons yeah. plots lead to Homer, but no. Pretty much, but no, I, I, I'll love how it does it it's such a joke heavy beginning it was a very much my wrist hurts from taking notes kind of thing Mm. then we get into this you know great heart for marge and a bit of background and history which is so rare that is a really positive way to look at it because when i was watching it i was thinking wow it was a marge episode and they couldn't even give her three full acts they (laughs) yeah you know it's a glass half empty kind of thing Mm. i'm not complaining it's a good episode i don't mind it's just I want to say some bad things, so I seem slightly less biased about right. something that's been a part of literally my entire life. Mm. This episode mm. came out when I was like five months old, I think. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't like thinking about that. Um, but with the new Simpsons timeline update, you'll be... <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this one, I do actually have some criticisms oh, about really? it, but I still think it's a very good episode, and... I think a lot of my uh, my criticisms are just going to be just because some parts of it didn't date particularly well. Mm. But we'll get into my opinions later. BT, we'll start with you. For better or worse, what's a moment that stands out to you? Man, there are a lot, so picking one is hard. I'm going to go with Homer's jerk arsiness in this episode. While it is jerk-ass, he's never portrayed as being right, and mm. so I think this is jerk-assiness that works, that it's, you know, that's him being the flawed patriarch, especially, like, the example I've li- outlined is, um, Lisa, we need your mother to repress her feelings so she won't bother us. But again, that's outlined as clearly being bad. So yeah. I like that even though Homer's being jerk arsy, the episode is saying, yeah, we know that's bad. It's not trying to portray that as being anything good. Yeah, I guess... Well, we're getting into my problems now. Yeah, Homer's never showed as being right, but at the same time, it doesn't ever punish him. Mm, Also true. 
I guess, say, for a window washer clanking him <laughs> on the head, but, you know, he didn't get the lesson, obviously. I think he must have fallen to his death in that. I think the rest of the series is a death dream. <laughs> Interesting death theory. Dream. Mm. <laughs> How about you, Diana? What stands out to you from this episode for better or worse? It was definitely... It's very weird to have, like, say any criticisms of it because it feels mm. like I'm criticizing something that i shouldn't um like i'll get killed if i say anything bad um it's not on this show yeah <laughs> no, it's one of those things where it's hard to know exactly how to feel about its portrayal of mental health yeah i know some of it especially in america with it being so expensive it would be a whole different side like here it's at least you get a few free visits every year to mm-hmm. a therapist and that's a whole different discourse in America, and I imagine it was different in the 90s as well. For sure. Yeah, I was going to, it's 30 bucks an hour for therapy, god damn, <laughs> if only. I could see why you'd be so against it. I wouldn't want to spend that much money on feeling good. I don't, <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things, I don't know how to feel about it. It's wrong, but I don't blame the people involved for it as well. Yeah, like I don't know. It's weird seeing the weird how Homer treats mental health. Yeah, I guess it comes from a point of insecurity on his part that Marge is going to leave him, and he's not really giving much good reason for her to stay yeah. either in this episode. Well, it does that... take place after the complete and utter dependence as well. So yeah, that, yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, but I would I... think that Homer's attitude is probably what like American zeitgeist was like towards therapy. Oh my gosh, you're going to therapy? What is wrong with you? Instead of it's obviously changed a lot. But I like Homer as the mouthpiece of the average person on that. Yeah. And again, I don't think the episode portrays it negatively. No, and that's why I say I think it's just more of a problem of it dating and Mm. that if this was... Like, even a modern Simpsons would be doing a completely different take on this these days. Oh, for sure. Yeah, anyway, sorry. This sort of uh, railroaded your point. No, it's it's weird. This episode is very much of its time. Yeah. It's hard to talk about it without being in that time right now. And I guess as well, America, it's just really weird to talk about this episode. <laughs> Analytically, at least. If, if you shut your brain off and watch it, it's fantastic. The more mm-hmm. you think about it, the more niggling little things you have in the back of your mind, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, talking about how this episode is front-loaded, and that's what stands out to me, is Homer looking for the alternate bars oh, is man. at times weird, but goddamn, uh, some amazing sketches in here. The second it started, I was just filled with delight. <laughs> well, what were some of your favourite bits from this bit? Oh, just before he goes to the fancy bar, and it's like, hello, sir, could you please leave without making a fuss? Yeah. Or uh, goes to lo- Cheers, which is depressing, but fun. See, that's one where I'm, like, watching it now, I'm like, huh. I don't think there's a joke here. I think, it again, it's of its time, and you had to be familiar with Cheers and The Simpsons at the time being a subversion of a lot of tropes that came before it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's cool that they got most of the cast there, you know, mm. curiously, yeah, sans Kelsey Grammer um, yep. and also Kirstie Alley. But... I hear sans Kelsey Grammer is the final boss of Undertale. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow, quite a dig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, what about you, Diana? What Did you like any bits from this opening section? No, I like that. I like the Cheers thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, Cheers has very little relevancy to general people now, but, you know, back in 1994, it was fresh. But I liked that. I liked quite a bit of the... the whole montage of the bars i do like the she she lounge and how homer already knows what <laughs> you know like it feels as weird because this joke is like burned into my brain now but i imagine this would have been hilarious the first time anyone watched it 
Honestly, I still love it, especially just the phrasing of, hang on, something's not right. Yeah. Wait a minute, I know, this lesbian bar doesn't have a fire exit! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I'm just, I do want to say one quick thing about the whole beginning. The very beginning of the episode, we had mm-hmm. the very long introduction sequence and long couch gag with the circus. Yeah, yeah. such a full episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird because the first episode we watched today had the like the shortest couch gag and like a really mm-hmm. short opening. So that means objectively the season thirty-two episodes better than this one. They had more material, I think. Is <laughs> well, so much to cram in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting that yeah we complain about the new long couch mm. gags and yeah this is the one that originated all of those. Well, to be <laughs> fair, I never really thought about length of couch gag in reflection to episode until we started doing critical watches. And even when yeah. the the big circus couch gag happened, I kind of turned you went okay, so short episode. Yeah, <laughs> which you know is something I'd never That's thought about before. Shot. Not no. at all. There's so much episode in this that I'm really surprised they had to go with a long intro. Yeah. Um. So, wackiness. Was this a particularly wacky episode of The Simpsons? Uh, we need someone to fly to the Windy City. C- city conditions are a bit windy. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. They <laughs> crammed a cobra into a cash register. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, this opening mm. bit. All the pranks on Mo. Hey, he's a snake handle. He's going to be fine. I do like his line after getting bitten. Like, oh, I'm going to be sick tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Homer, I just need to make some coffee before I pass out. Yeah. <laughs> I also liked the, yeah, the stupid misdirect with, you know, the, ah, smell my flower, and then just lights his tie on fire, <laughs> and then Mo actually dissecting, and he's going, it is actually a very well-thought-out joke, <laughs> funny and makes you think. Ah, oh, he'd do well on the Simpsons Index. And then Homer gets thrown out, jokes on them, I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a good way to get this episode going, but yeah, it is so weird how quickly they turn on Homer here. And mm-hmm. it is a magic bar. Because when they throw out Homer's record, the window is open. But when yeah. Smithers drives past, the window is closed. Oh. Yeah, I really hope someone got fired for that. But, I'll, you know, maybe Mo is telekinetic and he got it from his bar rag and he managed to close it mm-hmm. from a distance. Oh, but- there's a Halloween episode. Do Carrie, but it's Mo. <laughs> Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> no, you have to do Carrie, and it's the triplet of Sherry and Terry. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> oh, my God. that uh, I am surprised they haven't done that now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah. Well, um, Disney steals our ideas. So. Historically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in other terms of wackiness, when Homer does go to the... Uh, what, fuck, what was it? Oh, it was the cockpit, of course. Mm-hmm. The pilot's bar. No, it's called the Little Black Box. Oh, right, of course. <laughs> Yeah, why don't they make the whole bar out of the black box? It'd be too heavy to drink in. And orange. Mm. Uh, black box is orange. Yeah. Oh. Black boxes are bright orange, so you can find them in a crash. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Eating of a black box is a lot <laughs> like a successful marriage. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just that whole bit with Homer being recruited as the pilot. Mm-hmm. It's like, I keep telling you I'm not a pilot. And I keep telling you flyboys crack me up. Just how the imagination of this argument, how it's yeah. been going the last couple oh, of yeah. minutes. And I do want to point out, there's like actual background foley going on in the cockpit scene. And it, uh, something I didn't want to bring up in the last ones, but thought very loudly is how quiet everything is. And there's, you know, the sound of engines in the background, and the sound of other planes taking off. It's like, good, yeah. fill the air with something. Uh, he almost turned off the button that they need to live and <laughs> it's an important button and yeah one of my favorite wacky animations of this whole thing is how the wheels go up inside the plane and then it drops it's just one of these like warner brothers things that's mm. so stupid and i love it yep wheels are either up or down there's no in between <laughs> yeah 
It may as well have pulled out a yike sign, but I'm glad it didn't. Yep. <laughs> Any other wacky moments? It is weird that Marge's fear of flying wasn't there when they went to Washington, D.C. in season three. <laughs> I do hope someone got fired for that blunder. Maybe Retroactively, they found the person who wrote the season three episode fired them and... Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad episode to lose anyway. Yep. <laughs> uh, there are episodes in season three that we should get rid of before that one. Um, <laughs> like the episode directly before it, season three, episode one. I think I effectively have now. <laughs> they can't erase my DVD copies. Nope. Now they'll come into your house and remove it. That's what cancel culture is. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Disney walking into my house and just scratching that one part of the DVD that'll play Stark Raving Dad. Oh, those bastards. Um, the whole ending sequence is pretty wacky. That's just the ending stru- engine struggling. That's just the carp swimming around your ankles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it seems like Marge got through even a worst case scenario yeah. with... It's true. Just um, a, mm-hmm. And of course, they always love a good South by Southwest reference. Although North I- by Northwest. Look, whatever. <laughs> hey, is this the Hitchcock index? No, it's not. You're the more Hitchcock fan of in the I was group. thinking about Southwest Sauce, okay? I li- <laughs> I'm a little bit hungry. But I'd really like, um, this is what a cornfield looks like, honey. And mm. then just the young Marge's tiny little, mm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it gets me every time. All the little animation moments with small Marge here, it's just, this is the stuff in the episode that really tugs on my heartstrings. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's all a rich tapestry. Like, when she cries when she gets fucking baby food in her eye, fucking yeah, hell. it hurts. Well, if you had eyes as big as the Simpsons character did, that would hurt True. so much more. Mm. What if they get callous? No, don't think about that. That's gross. Ah. What if you just scratch one of their eyes? Jesus. Just while talking about giant eyes, I was watching someone play ukulele, and they kept stomping on a boss fight's giant eyes and just saying, I hope that makes everyone uncomfortable, mm. and just constantly walking on it. So now I can't look at big eyes the same way without feeling visibly uncomfortable. Yep, that's yep. fair. And just for context for people that might not have known, like I didn't for that split second, assuming you're referring to the game ukulele. The instrument. Game, not the instrument. Um, I'm just imagining like this busker in Brisbane. That's just... A ukulele made of a giant eye. Mm. Incredibly underrated game that I will defend and say is better for Mario Odyssey. Ooh. Impossible Lair is pretty fucking awesome. Impossible Lair is amazing. Um, did not much care for the first one. but No yeah. one did apart from me, but I loved it. And... <laughs> I recently did a hun- uh, my second 100% playthrough of that game. Holy shit. <laughs> I love the game. It's it's better than Banjo-Kazooie. I'm sorry. You oh, can throw you it right, so, um, it goodbye, Diana. <laughs> <laughs> we don't stand for blasphemy on this show. It's for that 90s show of video games. <laughs> God, maybe better than Banjo-Tooie, but my God. Well, Banjo-Tooie's the best of that trilogy. I am oh, sorry. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I love Banjo-Tooie. Um, so much backtracking. That's what makes it good. Banjo-Tooie is the second best Nintendo 64 game there is, with the best one being Majora's Mask. Fucking calls. Mm -hmm. Just all over the place today. It's getting steamy in here with all these hot takes. It is. (laughs) But how about this episode, and how about the heart? How was the emotional core of it all? I mean, we get a rare, rare look at uh, Marge's dad. Rare? You mean the developers of Banjo-Tooie? Yeah. (laughs) I do indeed. (laughs) You did set her up for that one. (laughs) But yeah, we so rarely see Father Bouvier, Mm. and... um, here he, he is. And it's like, yeah, another Clancy in the world of The right. Simpsons. So yeah, it's pretty well the only uh, the second time he had a, like a featured appearance besides. Yeah, the, the only one, other one I can think of is the prom date one. Yeah, the flashback to that. He was yeah. eaten by King Homer, if that counts. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and well, if you look at that freeze likes. frame, you do see his face in that thing, and they still use the way we was model for him. Okay, nice. All right. 
And I know it's canonical that he has died, but it's always weird how his lack of presence in the show, especially when we get so much Grandpa and even Mona Simpson eventually. They do say on a later episode, I think it's Puffless, where that apparently he died of lung cancer mm. as a cause of smoking, makes Patty and Selma rethink it for about half an episode. Yep. And yeah, like you said, Peach, it is surprising that he hasn't come up more. Mm. Again, I'm yeah. going to spec script. If I've given the chance, I will write an episode where Mother Bouvier dies just so Julie Kavner doesn't have to do that voice anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that might even be a good uh, way to explore, yeah, also her father's death. She could mm. be going through them at the same time. Stop giving Disney ideas. <laughs> but how about, like, the emotional core of, like, Marge discovering the root of her fear of flying? What do you guys think of this? Again, I think this is The Simpsons being subversive. It's, you know, and then they, by basically having being a steward and the whole screaming don't look at me yeah, yeah. It's, and then following it up with the rich tapestry of all the uh, airplane accidents she's had it's good subversion i like it once again speaking of just how entrenched this episode is in the 90s i can't imagine uh, male flight attendants being that uncommon in the 90s but that definitely would be like what's the big deal now yeah <laughs> maybe in a few years i'll do the episode where manja's dad was on OnlyFans, and that's what that was the weird gendered thing also wearing an apron but nothing, nothing else, else. <laughs> and maybe a pilot's hat <laughs> but not where you think yeah so i guess this is where the episode on just... head. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i guess this is just the part of the episode where it kind of comes undone for me because we're kind of ping-ponging between homer overreacting at marge's therapy and then marge in these therapy sessions and yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm still trying to work out where I'm going to land with this episode. And yeah, I guess I, I just wasn't having a whole lot of fun in this third act. Yeah, right, fair. Well, this is where your, your story comes together and you're meant to get, be getting your heart moments. So yeah. how about them feels rather than them laughs? Yeah, I don't know. And then for an episode that already had an extended Cheers parody, the Lost in Space thing as well. <laughs> like, I like it for the do the pain, do the pain of it all, but little else to be honest i like i like homer being dr smith but uh it's odd but i mean to be fair homer being dr smith is 70 percent of that bit so yeah it sort of does become a little bit of the homer show again mm-hmm. yeah but ultimately did this feel like an episode of the simpsons how's the character integrity we get more marge that's so rare yeah um, so it doesn't feel like a simpsons episode because we never <laughs> <Yeah>. get marge <laughs> Yeah, Homer being uh, panicky, again, golden retrieverish, but in a selfish way, and just panicked and scared that things are going to change for him. That's very on-brand. Mm. I'd say the only thing that's off-brand, but it's kind of ingrained in my brain, is um, Marge getting the psychiatrist's name wrong. Mm. The wind will whisper, Lowenstein. My name is Wyke. Lowenstein. <laughs> I mean, I like the bit, and again, it's drilled into my skull, much like a uh, fire drill, mm. um, but... It's just weird that she got it wrong. And she clearly held that against her because this same psychiatrist appears in It's a Mad, Mad, Mad Marge and is one of the people that declares Marge insane. Oh. Really? Yeah, it's the same character model. They don't, she doesn't talk. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I was just about to say the guest Guest star star. for this episode, besides, yeah, pretty well the entirety of the cast of Cheers, I'm not going through them all. But yeah, playing Dr. Zweig was Anne Bancroft, who, yeah, an amazing actor. Um, She's, it's one of those ones where. The the Dreamworks movie. (laughs) That's the highlight of her career, I think. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it starred her and nobody else. I actually Uh, rewatched Ants the other day. It is underrated. That's my other hot take. Ants is better than A Bug's Life. That is the final straw, and I'm kicked off the podcast for good. 
I don't think either of us care about uh, ants or a bug's life enough to really fight you on that one. Oh, shit. She was in The Graduate. Was she Mrs. Robinson? Holy shit. No. Yeah? No. I, I don't know. I'm looking at it. One of her big roles as well Oh, was... shit. She was too. Oh, she was Mrs. Robinson. There yeah. you go. And one of her big stage roles was as the miracle worker, the Helen Kellen, yeah. the Hella, Helen Keller And the show. movie adaptation as well. Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah, she's also, yeah, was the wife of Mel Brooks until her death. And apparently Mel, like, joined her to the studio and she said to one of the producers, I can't get rid of him. And, <laughs> like, and even Mel Brooks was, like, trying to advise the director on this scene as well, all the scenes she was performing in, which also led to him later appearing on the show uh, as Homer's limo passenger. Anyway, that's my Simpsons facts ramblings. Wow, she was in a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just scrolling it now. Yeah. Your thumb will get sore going through that IMDb. Who damn. The stop at Ants, that's the highlight of her career, I think. <laughs> well, there wasn't much else after that, unfortunately. But... She was in The Elephant Man. Apparently oh. her last TV role was uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Nice. No shit. She played herself, and that was the year before she uh, passed away. Oh, that's right. Uh, because they had that big arc over seasons four for the whole producers bit, which is... Still one of my most favourite final episode twists in any show ever. Um, and that was the uh, Curb Index. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I was about to go into it, but it was going to be a massive spoiler for season four of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm sure so many people right now are in the middle of season three and it's like, I can't listen to this, I need to stop <laughs> the episode. That's right, we won't spoil it. You can keep listening. No, because I, I think that is genuinely, yeah, season four of Curb. That's a, worth preserving as much as you can. But yes or no, would you watch this episode again? Yes. Yes. Sure, and episodes we want to watch again, we like to think about what playlist we put them in. What are some other episodes that would pair nicely with this one? There's Marge's dad. That I think this goes great. in the exact duplicate playlist with um, the Dying woman singing I Am Woman, Hear Me Raw. <laughs> that's right. And Guy Incognito. I think that's the biggest strengths of this episode, some of the misdirects, like mm -hmm. with most Barbie 4, and yeah, Guy Incognito is just... <gasps> He's an exact duplicate. That dog has a puppy tail. <laughs> so good. I have done that so many times in my life. Oh, yeah. Not the duplicate, the chasing a dog and yelling that. <laughs> I don't see exact duplicates of myself too much. <laughs> oh, uh, let's pair this with uh, Moaning Lisa because we have a good little moment of uh, March is muttering under her breath. Her mother always said, be nice, be polite, don't mm. complain. And that's kind of what her, we know from that episode. Her mother always said, if you put on a big smile no matter how sad you are because they, they, they'll think they'll, it reflects on me. So it's a little bit of just how awful Mother Bouvier is. Yeah. Um, again, it's a rich tapestry of Marge's history. And the young Patty and Selma playlist, there's a lot yeah, yeah. of flashbacks to them. Oh, yeah. yeah like when, Marge, oven. Yeah. when they started smoking. Mm -hmm. Don't know if that's the same one. Yeah. Also the Hitchcock yeah. playlist. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if, uh, Southwest, Source by Southwest. <laughs> <laughs> and also this can go in the weird Cheers playlist, because I'm pretty sure one of the other times I was here, um, there was that couch gag where it showed all of the sitcoms from the different areas, and one of them was Cheers. That's right. And that had Sideshow Bob come in as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. once again, only a visual appearance. He's, he's probably expensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they haven't killed him off with fit, fat side trip up yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's the other thing I keep forgetting to recontextualize with any post-season 25 episode of the Simpsons with Sideshow Bob. He is a superhero at that point. Yeah, he had all those genetic modifications. Yeah. <sighs> he also knows how to, like, perform surgery to swap faces. Yeah, that's But even fine. if he didn't have superpowers, that is definitely 
that's he's, definitely an ability. He's basically a neurosurgeon. Hmm. Wow. Um, BT, what would you like to change about this episode? Ooh. Um. Yeah, maybe there is something in that third act we could tighten up a little bit because it's not as iconic and funny, but it's still, you know, solid. There's a few bits and pieces in terms of, you know, the era in which it was made, but I don't really usually throw to them just because you can't hold things to the same standards as when they were made 38 mm. years ago or whatever it was. Um, not terribly much. I do quite like a lot of this. And I also like that we do get a bit more background on Marge. So I'm going to mostly sit. What about you, Diana? I feel like tightening up the third act, but also maybe like you can still make the first act the homer show but maybe just put like a little marge thing in there that pays off later maybe mm. it kind of feels like she doesn't get brought into the show until the airplane <laughs> yeah but it's kind of weird this episode if you just watch it it's great but when you think about it you see mm. the little bits falling apart and i feel like if this was a season 25 episode we would ignore all the things wrong with it but because it's season six and season six is one of the best seasons ever yeah. I guess this doesn't hold the same standard as the best of season six. So I guess its flaws are a bit more obvious. Yeah, that's it. And I feel like it's, especially doing the critical watch on this, because I think, you know, most of the other times it's just been, I've watched it in the mm-hmm. context of season six. And it's just, it's almost like when you listen to an album and the individual songs don't matter so much because yeah, the album's so good or whatever. And I guess, yeah, doing the critical watch on this one, that sort of flaws are becoming more apparent, but not in ways that I really know how to change it for the better, especially because yeah, my complaints about it being sort of a bit dated, it's like, well, it needs to be a Simpsons episode now. And it's like, no, they're going to handle mental, the oh, subject my. of mental health and Significantly therapy. Significantly worse. So much worse. So like, I guess in terms of tightening up the third act, yeah, fix up a bit of that ping-ponging between Marge having therapy, Homer reacting weirdly. And I guess it's you can't do that thing where it's like, I don't know, Lisa explicitly stating to Homer why his views are bad or anything. You know, there's got to be a more think, organic, natural, funny well, way. I feel like the show already does it subtextually. Like, you know, again, yeah. I never got the impression the show was saying he was right. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know, just a bit more punishment for him as well and it's it's not the thing where you have to hit the bad guy over the head or all the time with the window washer but yeah just it's something a bit more it just didn't quite get to a high level of yeah most season six episodes for me but yeah we're pretty well here diana do you have any other notes uh yeah i'll say one of the things that kind of ruined my brain is when homer says i'm not going to dignify that with an answer that is something i have said so many times in my life when they were doing that thing with the people in the front can go to first class, how did Bart and Lisa not lose to the people directly sitting next to that? Yeah, and even in that shot where everyone turns up, they just sort of sit up at the last possible moment. Like They were like, mm. oh, honey, should we get up immediately? No, 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 let's watch the race first. Yeah, you want to have some sportsmanship in this. Yeah. Mm. This is one of those jokes that I thought was hilarious when I was like four, but now I don't, which is the whole sock puppets thing. <laughs> Where? Where? <laughs> I'm not sure if I like it. It kind of feels a bit, you know, maybe Family Guy could have done that joke. It is a bit random, but I do love it. <laughs> yeah, and it's a good undermining of Homer's point. Like, everyone's afraid of something, not me. Yeah, well, I guess it shows us him being a bit of a know-it-all, loudmouth, overreactive, but yeah, still has his own flaws that he's not acknowledging. On a lighter note, um, Marge said the cat and dog were living in sin, so that means they fuck, and I don't like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yeah, you can take that Marge is losing the plot mm. for a bit, and I don't know, Santa's little helper just might have been licking the cat or something. Maybe. They're uh, living in sin. They're not necessarily fucking in sin. All for euphemism. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm pretty sure the Springfield psychiatrist office, the tagline on it was, because there may not be bugs on you. <laughs> kind yeah. of like I've never noticed that before. Yeah, yeah. And my final little note here is the window washer joke, where it says it's a few <laughs> seconds before yep. 12 might just be the, like it's one of the funniest jokes of the season. Definitely the funniest bit of this episode to me. Yep. Just but, how yeah. you can be so precise. Marge going, no, this is wrong. It's a few seconds before the time you stated. Yeah, like. <laughs> and it is like, obviously back then, everyone's watches would have been slightly different. It wasn't like it was set to an internet synced time either. That's it. Mm-hmm. So there's just so much. There are so many layers to it. Um, yeah, she's got it set to Greenwich Mean Time exactly, and so does Murray the window washer. Yeah. <laughs> and how about you, BT? Any other notes? Yep, I do like Homer's whole rant of, you know, I want to watch TV in different time zones. I want to visit strange exotic malls. I want a, a hoagie, a grinder, a footlong. Why won't you let me live? Mm. And I also only realized on this one that that's a good transition for them never actually deciding where they're going it just goes from them having the discussion to they're on a plane and i do actually really it's like you know oh, yeah. hiding the join yeah i really like that as a bit of uh that's something i only noticed on this one but respectable and also homer trying grinder is a season 34 episode that i'm working on <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah he thinks it's yeah, about he, sandwiches <laughs> he gets he's gonna get a foot long anyway oh, sorry uh, I also like when Marge is like starting to freak out a little bit. It's like, are you hungry? Sleepy? Gassy? It's gas. It's gas, <laughs> isn't it? I don't know. Something about that it just mm. tickles me. Uh, I do like the whole rift between um, Homer and Lisa. He's like, oh, you know, she'll tell your mother to divorce me, and then you'll have to go live with your grandmother, and you'll pick beans. I like picking beans with grandma. Mm-hmm. Well, good. You do that. I'll, I will. You pick many a bean. Yeah. Yeah. Just in my head, that exact inflection of you pick many a bean. Oh, it goes to the picking beans playlist with Alita. Yeah. The monkeys, that was not Michael Nesbitt's real hat. Mm. And apparently they were about political and social upheaval. I never knew. See, that was the other thing I was going to mention with Anne Bancroft's performance here is that she plays the therapist so well. Mm -hmm. It's like a real calm but probing voice. It's just, it's really hypnotic in a way. But then, yeah, she rises to the occasion of like standing up for the spirit of the monkeys man monkeys fans are right or die you know that (laughs) to the bitter end and let's see my last note is after the uh, whole lost in space bit she's got the moment of are you aware you just said goodbye to your daddy also infringed on any number of copyrights yeah (laughs) and that is all my notes Alan back to you yeah once again with line deliveries that have ruined my brain do you want to smell my flower do I (laughs) it's just yeah most great in this Mm -hmm. Don't worry, honey, we'll let the killer beast come to us. <laughs> they do a little bit of a Home Alone reference with Grandpa. <laughs> and That's right. Yes, talking about changes I want to make. I want to see, yeah, Grandpa lost in New York. Mm. I just very... One of my uh, uh, Jordan's anal corners for this episode... Jordan's anal corner? ...is that Marge took the cake out of the oven and it was already frosted and decorated. Why don't you put it back on to keep the frosting warm? <laughs> you don't do that <laughs> don't you elliot you also don't sit on thin air and <laughs> marry the dogs i i don't think marge is at fault for the way she was mm. no that's that's fair enough <laughs> keeping herself in a state of cat-like readiness uh <laughs> neat 
Also, we get a yeah, little bit of Principal Skinner in the therapist office, a little bit of mummy issues when they were a bit more subtle about it. Mm-hmm. I did like the trying to hide, and he just yeah. happens to be on the front page of Principal's Digest or whatever. I also like the implication that his photo for being on the cover of Principal Digest is a pretty flat photo. It's just, mm, yeah. just of his Principal face. Um, yep. yep. And that's all my notes. It's time to rank this thing. Diana, please, go first. don't want to go first, because <laughs> it's when I give... My unpopular opinion, people are going to yell at me first before Elliot gives the same score. But I'm going gold. It's not the best of classic era, but it's good. It's a high gold. Mm. Uh, if I could give gold with, you know, sprinkles, I would. But it's Ooh, the best sprinkles. I can do. Um, it has some issues in the third act. Mm-hmm. I think the first act could have worked margin a little more. Uh, the second act is great. I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. I'll end on a good note. The second act is cubic. It's just the whole thing isn't. Yeah, this is where I'm just really conflicted with this one. And especially comparing to a lot of episodes, and especially in the classic era and what I'd give them. And uh, yeah, let no one say that I don't apply the same level of scrutiny to the mm-hmm. classic era that I do to teens and modern Simpsons is that, yeah, I'm going silver with this one and I'm just going... With my overall feeling watching it is that, yeah, I had some of the highest highs, but there was just a certain flatness that I can't really shake and some sort of complaints and stuff with how the third act rolled out. And Mm. like, yeah, it's definitely not a bad episode. Like there are so many iconic moments in it, but yeah, overall was uh, left a little disappointed with this recent review of it. Mm -hmm. BT, finish it off. Uh, I think Diana said it accurately earlier when there's... Like, critically, I want to give this a silver, but in terms of just watching an episode to enjoy it, I would gold this. So I was sitting here debating which one of those versions of me do I want to sit with. I am going to go with the gold because I feel like there are so many great quotable moments from this. It's great to see a bit of Marge's background and actually get an exploration of her character. And yeah. it's just a hell of a fun ride. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to gold over gold overall. Well, that's funny because, yeah, there's been a couple of instances lately where I know you've been going higher than me in the ranks. And- Very rare. I mean, I can understand a silver. Um, it's really when you like dissect it that you start to see some of those you know problems. But I feel like it's worth it for the hilarity. I looked at the spreadsheet because I wanted to see what episodes you gave it a silver because I was expecting mm. the average to be much higher. And I was going to bump you up. This has the same ranking as Lisa's Rival. And <laughs> it sure does. Reviewed mm. with pods in the key of Springfield. Like and subscribe. And also, it's probably not appearing on the spreadsheet because I haven't released this episode as of recording. But it'll also be joining from season six, Sideshow Bob Roberts, where, mm. yeah, Danny was the silver on that one. And I agree with his point in that the third act just, there was so much episode and the third act yeah. really just rushes to its conclusion. And they never, you know, we didn't really get to get more of a follow-up of the Flintstones phone. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That was the thing that stood out to me from that episode. (laughs) Wow, I've not heard that because it hasn't been released and I'm not psychic. I'm pretty happy. (laughs) I'm actually outside cleaning your windows at 12. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering why they were looking so nice these days. They're usually dirty from all the pie that I throw at them. I don't know. I'm tired. Um, All right. Well, yeah, look, that about does it for the Simpsons Index this week. Thank you so much again, Diana, for joining us. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you gave me some shit and some... You gave me shit, shit, and shit in comparison to the rest of season six, but still really good overall. Yeah. Um, That's okay. I I like being negative. Um, It justifies having antidepressants. You give me the anger I need. Oh yeah, anger is a great driving fuel. 
That's it. It's very cathartic watching some mm, of these worst like episodes. Um, except I get to cry inside. <laughs> and it doesn't cost $30 an hour. And if people want to see more of you on the greater internet, where can they do that? Uh, they can look me up on Twitter when I haven't deactivated it. It's up now. It was down for a, a week. Um, but it's Gap Freezer, G-A-P-F-R-E-E-Z-E-R. It's a reference to a nickname I'm trying to distance myself from. I should say it involved Freezer from Dragon Ball and mm-hmm. the year 2012. And <laughs> I also have a link to my YouTube channel where I'm recently posting a lot of Hitman 3 footage. Mm-hmm. And if you really care about that so much, I've, I'm active on the Hitman forum and they promoted me to a high rank on that website. So oh, cool. uh, you can join me on the Hitman Index where I talk about how good missions are across the, <laughs> the three decades now. There's a premise for a Hitman podcast. Yeah, one mission from each Hitman. Hmm. No one would listen to it but me and I'd be the one making it. So it's not yeah. a good idea. You've got to love your own content, you know. Yeah, no, um... Um, but no, thank you so much for joining us again. And glad to be here on an episode I could cram references to that 90s show to. <laughs> and yeah, we should definitely get you on for when we cover that on Except When He's Not, mm-hmm. which you can listen to via our Patreon. Yeah, we've launched a Patreon for sort of an umbrella for all that we do. And if you sign up to our $5 tier, you'll get the bonus podcast Except When He's Not, where I show BT all the episodes of The Simpsons that he missed when we reviewed them on The Simpsons Index proper. I can finally catch up and complete the list. <laughs> do you update it to your actual spreadsheet? Is there like a super secret section? <laughs> There's a mm. secret spreadsheet that only the Patreons get, Ooh. where it's just a BT-only spreadsheet. Even I didn't know that. BT-only sandwich index, where he just puts mm. a new one every week. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> I like sandwich. But besides sandwiches, what else are we making, BT? We are also making Thrones of Game, the Game of Thrones podcast that I host, and Elliot joins me. We are reviewing Game of Thrones backwards. Uh, Elliot's never seen the show before until we started watching in reverse order. Gives us a unique perspective, and uh, quite frankly, the best perspective, now that we can really take the series as a whole. Yeah, so we're almost finished with that. I think we're um, mm. closing in on our second last season. So yeah, get amongst it while we're still here. And yeah, like as- the Simpsons Index, they can't keep renewing it for more seasons well they announced a prequel series the adventures of fucking Egg because and... of you this is all <laughs> yeah <laughs> we can take the blame for that one all right and yeah as as always pulp fury radio season one is still out there yeah this is our scripted podcast series where we got a bunch of amazing actors to tell a bunch of amazing stories that the amazing bt calloway wrote and yeah sound effects live action <laughs> um horror mystery murder mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah just a lot of good fun you can have a Pulp Fury. So go check that out, pulpfuryradio.com. And that's it from us. Once again, thank you, Diana. I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to defending that 90s show in the future. <laughs> On the big when I eventually do, like, I don't love the episode. It's probably going to be really anticlimactic. <laughs> Pretty alright. That was like a bronze or silver, I don't know. <laughs> well, people will have to, mm-hmm. uh, have to spend Patreon money to decide. For my definitive opinion. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you where it lands on that. <laughs> as long as it's loud and exciting, it's still content. Yeah. <laughs> And thank you, BT. Ahoy. And I've been your host, Elliot J. O'Neill. That's all the mustard in the house. Thank you for listening to the Simpsons Index podcast, which is also an online spreadsheet available at thesimpsonsindex.com. You can chat to us online at facebook.com slash thesimpsonsindex or at simpsonsindex on Twitter and Instagram. And now please stay tuned for the bonus scenes. 
this episode probably takes place before Mr. Lisa goes to Washington because Marge is in the plane without panicking. And mm-hmm. I just like the idea of someone on IMDb having a Simpsons um, timeline <laughs> that they're working yeah. on, putting, sliding each episode in. Oh, that you know is... That the real save... Jims probably did this. Um... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that might save a lot of Simpsons timelining if you don't assume the episodes are in chronological order. Like, have... We've always just assumed that, but why? Yeah, no, you'd have to have, like, a fucking wackadoo, um, like, when they did that Zelda timeline for the Hyrule <laughs> Historia. It's just, like, yeah, the timeline splits off at various points. This is mm-hmm. the uh, timeline where Marge's dad uh, was a smoker with kind of, like, oh. reddish-brown hair, and this is the playlist where he was a flight attendant with blue yeah. hair. And this is the timeline where Mr. Burns gets shot and also Ganon mm. wins. <laughs> where Mr. Burns dies from getting shot. and By Ganon. Yep. <laughs> Can we watch another classic episode instead? <laughs> well, um, yeah, after the show, to, uh, do what you feel. Mm-hmm. And watch the Do What You Feel festival episode. Uh, I'll just play Hitman and Crash Bandicoot 4 at the same time. I'll play yeah, them at the same the time train. and see yeah. where they sync up, and I'll see if, like, maybe if I play one backwards, <laughs> there will be a secret meaning. Nice. Yeah, the video game is Dark Side of the mm-hmm. Oz. Yeah. And Crash Bandicoot is what I call, like, I call him my spiky head uh, little friend. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a good reveal if, yeah, Krabubble was playing Crash Bandicoot every day after school. Yeah, I was about to say Dash Dash. <laughs>